0: I done did everything I wanted to do I'm as famous as I need to be I'm as wealthy as I need to be it's time now to start doing this multi-generational stuff not just for the people who share my blood not even just for the people who came over with me on the slave ship you know what I'm saying though for everybody but if we don't control it and own it we gonna consistently be pawns and consistently be at the mercy of folks who really hate us
1: Hey y'all, you are listening to The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, happy homegirl Thursday. It's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl podcast. Now thank y'all very much for checking out the show out of tens and thousands of podcasts in podcast land, you lend me your ears once a week for about an hour, and I really appreciate that. This week's episode is with one of my OGs, 40 episodes, and I finally get one of my OGs on for an episode, and I'm so excited. Normally, I have my homies or like my elders, but never an OG until today. I'm super excited because I believe that everybody, and again, excited is the word of this episode, but I'm juiced because I believe that everybody in their tribe should have some OGs not quite elders, like a Grammy in them, not quite, you know, your peers, like, you know, your, your homegirl, you know, but somebody who's a little bit more experienced, who has a, a couple of more years on them, who you can still relate to, like, like it's good, but there's still a level of high regard. And Tajay is one of, he's one of those for me. He's a father, he's a son, he's an architect, he's a rap legend, he's a entrepreneur and then one of his ventures was a hotel out in panama tajay is he just he's out here he's out here doing a lot of things and he seems to be very happy doing these things and with society again still trying to put these these boxes and labels on us in a time where we're trying to free ourselves from them i felt tajay was a really good example to you know just learn from you don't have to do it necessarily his way but this is a a a surefire bona fide example of what it's like when you move within what feels right as well as not being scared to do what you want to do that's really important a lot of us are out here wanting to do things but we have some kind of obstacle whether it's fear whether it's lack of funds lack of education whatever it is self-doubt we let it hold us back when there's so many different things we can do and i think that how he moves in a way to where I don't think shit scares him. I mean, he grew up in East Oakland <laughs> during a time where it was not safe and it was pretty dangerous. I remember a couple of my friends referring to Oakland as a war zone, almost. And um, Sajay will talk about his, his childhood and how that was like growing up, as well as how he found music, how he ended up linking up with the legendary Hyrule crew. That's the crew he's a part of. And for those who don't know who Hieroglyphics are, I highly suggest y'all do your Googles and find out quick. Their logo is one of the most iconic logos in pop culture history. They have a very loyal, multi-generational fan base. Still got bars. Still got style. Still out here influencing your faves. Like, Hyrule is is dope. They're one of the, like, longest-standing, always-been-together groups. I mean, they do Hyrule Day out in, in Oakland, too. They have their own music festival, too. So, and they also put on, um, and they put on show a lot of love to younger acts in that area. So to me, I think that his crew is actually an ideal crew of OGs. They out here pulling themselves up, tribing up together, making shit happen, and then they helping the people that are younger than them or people that you know maybe a little bit more inexperienced or need some shine. They they pulling them up too. They're giving back to their community. They're fixtures in their community, and I think that's really important. Tajay talks about that as well, um, but we basically. It's just us chopping. There's no interview format for the OGs. I, I don't even want to try to put an interview format because you already know OGs on the strength of them being who they are. They're going to talk. They're going to have the floor. You're going to give it to them, too. <laughs> so with that being said, I will let Tajay tell you his story, and um, I hope you guys learned something. I definitely did. Even interviewing him, I learned something. And even listening to the playback, I learned something. So I hope you guys take something dope from this as well. Check it out. All right, peace, y'all. I'm speaking to the Tajay Massey of Hieroglyphics. How you doing?
0: Chilling, chilling. How you doing?
2: Good. I understand y'all just had a show in Denver last night, right?
0: Yeah, was in Living Legends. That's pretty cool.
2: That makes sense. Living Legends for a Living Legends show. So for those who may not know, who is Tajay Massey? Uh,
0: Tajay Massey. I am uh, one quarter of the group Souls of Mischief, who is most famous for the – song 93 till infinity probably the most remade rap song uh you know i'm also one uh eighth of hieroglyphics which is a crew out of Oakland, california which consists of dell the funky Homosapien, sapien souls of mischief which is my group uh domino the producer uh dj toray casual and kept love so we've been around probably i mean we've known each other our whole lives i've been making music since uh cool. i started rapping in 83 so that's what 35 years next year, and um, I don't know. We came out. I guess Dale is the first guy who came out. He's Ice Cube's cousin, so he he created a bunch of stuff on Ice Cube's first album. Ice Cube put out his first couple albums, and we've been uh, independent ever since. So we also were on Jive Records. Uh, our first, the biggest hit, I guess, Souls of Mischief has "90 Infinity" was on Jive Records. We did one more record on, on that label. And and then uh, after that we also parted ways and, and went indie around ninety, ooh ninety seven I think was when we really started the independent journey. And In ninety eight we dropped our first independent record uh, as Hieroglyphics the crew, which is called uh, Third Eye Vision. So next year we're celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the our first indie release. And so we we've really been indie. Uh, let's see what ninety three to ninety ninety six or so ninety seven uh i guess would be major and then 97 on indie so we've been indie most of our career
2: that's dope but dialing it back to how you guys all linked up i understand oakland back in late 70s then going into the crack era with the 80s um i heard it it wasn't no joke i heard it was a lot of violence and it was a lot of drugs going on like what was that like growing up in that environment
0: you know, what's crazy is because it was the 70s, we're coming right off of the Panthers and everything. So it was actually a good environment with regard to our understanding of the nationalism and regard to our understanding of our, our debt to the community and our debt to our people. But on the same token, you know, COINTELPRO uh, really did a number on Oakland because you got to think about it like the Panthers, Huey, and all of them were public enemy number one, like where Bin Laden or, you know, guys who who, who blow stuff up and – terrorized people are so they they put a did a real number on it they pumped a lot of heroin in here in here and they pumped a lot of crack in here i mean they've done anthropological studies and really they say that, that the, the crack pipe and crack is from oakland you know um which is a dubious distinction but so i mean we we was on it early and um it, it really uh disrupted the community so we had a community where everybody has jobs the support or you know professionals etc to, you know, and having Cadillacs and buying homes, et cetera, to losing teeth and losing losing, um, losing the properties, et cetera. And I mean, we're still right now in 2017 in the wake of that. I think a lot of people don't understand that uh, those who are sort of uh, the globe controllers, they don't think in terms of what's right in front of their face. They think of decades down the line, maybe even centuries down the line. And so policies enacted during the crack era, which I guess would be the Reagan era, are just including trickle-down economics and you know all these things are sort of still we're still feeling them right now uh i just think that in this current time of information we, we're able to sort of look at things critically and see how those policies negatively affect us and hopefully uh combat them in the future but looking at uh the current political climate it's like the same sort of holocaust over again but what's funny is now uh the white folks are sort of rolled into it with the opiates and all these different things. So I think maybe change might happen or resistance might happen a little stronger and faster if they wake up because it's the same sort of wool they pulled over the black community's eyes in the 70s and 80s that are now being pulled over everybody's eyes. And it's, you know, the divide between the haves and the have-nots and the the drug-free and the drug-infested are becoming uh, real deep, you know? So I'm just saying that to say, it was a bad environment because I mean we would go searching for bodies. You know I knew what the AK sounded like. I knew what the M16 sounded like. Dudes had um, military weapons because they were coming off of Vietnam. You know so cats had M16s and M60s and you know it was really sick. You know and I grew up on 82nd in, in deep East Oakland and uh, you know I got family in Six Nine Village. Six Nine Village, if y'all don't know, is, is the project that the Carter from New Jack City was uh, modeled after. So. Oakland was, was wild when I was little, but you know, as a kid, it's exciting and it's all you know. So you assume that life is like this everywhere, you know, and then you, you don't realize, so you actually go to third world countries and travel the world, like, damn, we've been living in damn near a third world country our whole life. You know, I go places now, even, you know, in Brooklyn or Memphis or whatever, and be like, this is cool. fools be like, this ain't cool. You know what I'm saying? No, and I, I can't tell, because I grew up in a war zone, you know? Yeah. But But I'm not saying it was all negative, like, it's still with family values. We still work together as a community. You know, we grew up going to drum circles and rallies, and you know, talking about uh, talking about sort of uh, black nationalism, you know, et cetera. So I didn't I didn't grow up. Uh, you know, I got family members, of course, who, who fell to the crack game either by selling it or by using it. But for the most part, my family has been intact and and, and very instrumental in my my politics and my um, my worldview. And I I think that goes the same for my my homies that I grew up with on the block. And even uh, a lot of the homies who even fell victim, they grew up knowing what they were doing was wrong and and really tried to guide us younger dudes into moving away from it. But the the allure of money and, you know, ascendancy and American dream to them, and, you know, this is before they started having those draconian sentences, it was just too strong. And I I understand that as, as a kid, you know, like, you know, Everybody everybody likes nice things, and I, I get that. But in hindsight, it, it was a, you know, it was a poison pill.
2: So with that kind of environment, I guess I guess growing up in a war zone on one end, but then you also have the sense of pride instilled still with you. I remember you telling me a long time ago, you said your mom, you would get home and your mom would make you study more, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I had homework at home. My homework at home was harder than my homework at school. I mean, I I still got the books from when I was a kid. I'm going to start putting my kids on it, you know, because it was just uh, she understood. I mean, you know, that generation, as far as the the baby boomers, they're from the generation. you got to work twice as hard to get half as far. So if you want to be equal, you got to work four times as hard. So, you know, it was mind exercises, meditation, no TV. I didn't even have a TV until sixth grade, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But all those things sort of helped me be, I guess, less materialistic, more used to a rigorous course of study. Where I could get stuff knocked out and 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 not feel like uh, oh I'm overwhelmed by all this stuff you know because I grew up going to public school it, you know we only had the library card and encyclopedias there wasn't no internet and none of that kind of stuff uh, so you know I grew up going to the library on the weekends uh, you know reading as 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 uh, not as uh, a way of being off punishment like okay now you can go read your book you're done with your work you know like that was something I would be excited about not something that I would be like oh I gotta read you know. Yeah. And using my imagination, designing, uh, drawing. Like it just was a, my mom was an early childhood education sort of specialist. So she really concentrated on that. And that's still her concentration with the with the book she puts out now. And I'm understanding in hindsight, how much of a good effect that had on me. I mean, I grew up in a house where, you know, we had Disney books because my mom couldn't control what people gave us. but so she colored all the people brown in the Disney books. So what I was, you know, getting this sort of a, Unconscious programming, you know, about about color and skin tone and good and bad and all that, you know, and um, I think I thought that was regular, you know, I didn't even know. And so now, you know, and I, I mean, I grew up on a block where we, you know, we shared and ate at each other's houses and all this stuff. So my homies thought it was regular, too. So it, it, it's I'm trying now to in this sort of fake global society. Uh, raise my kids with pride and, and self-awareness and not be sort of, uh, filled by the poison that's kind of pumped to us, even by ourselves right now, as far as mass media, social media, uh, the sort of mainstream system of thought, et cetera. And I think it's working. I, I, am not, um, I think my daughters, you know, they, they don't got perms. You know what I'm saying though? They love themselves. They, they, they're into, uh, you know, yoga and they don't really shop at the mall. You know, they, they wear secondhand clothes and trade clothes and they're creative and they're following their own path. And I mean, even down to my youngest, my six year old, you know, so from twenty twenty one 21 to six, you know, they are all on their own things. And I, I think that that's uh something I picked up from growing up in Oakland in the sort of state of emergency that we were in. Cause at that time it was like literally physical warfare. And now it's like a really deep psychological warfare we got going on. And, um, I mean, part of it is us forgetting where we come from, or not even being interested in where we come from, which leaves you with no foundation, you know. So, right. it's it, it's important to me that I, I duplicate some of the stuff that my um my uh my mother uh you know instituted when I was little. I mean, you know, my kids be you know sometimes they don't want to hear it. You know, I remember my daughter; I was getting on it because she was also in the Frozen. And she just, one day she broke down, like, I just like the movie. You
3: know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: I like, I understand, that, you know, about white supremacy. And, you know, like, I understand that, that the protagonist ain't black. You know, like, but I just like the movie. I like the songs. I'm talking about this a little five-year-old thing. <laughs> so I might be going a little hard, but it's, man, we at, we at war right now. And I, I feel that, like, I'm not saying that as hyperbole. Like, we had a, in a serious, long, protracted conflict for our souls. And we so. Retarded that we trying to sell our souls because we just want things. You know what I mean? No, like like and there's no um there's no moral stopgap to keep people from selling their souls. Right now it's like how much you sell your soul for? Oh, you could have got more for that. You know, like right. it's not nothing like don't sell your soul. It's literally like well shit. If you're gonna sell your soul, make sure that you sell it for a good price. And that 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 ain't that's unacceptable because we're at a fulcrum as far as our, our progress. And if we don't keep pushing upwards. we're going to start falling and we're going to fall fast. The way things move now is so geometrical and, and quick that if we don't if we don't push hard and get our momentum going back and upward trajectory, we're going to fall really fast.
2: Damn, you just said a whole word, OG. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, next question? I'm trying to figure out a hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for a young size because, I mean, obviously you had Siri and Akira raised up in terms of, you know, being true to themselves, and moving confidently within themselves. So for a young Tajay, yeah. clearly an outlet for you was music. How did you realize that music was going to be something that would be a purpose of yours?
0: Man, I'm going to have to give shout-out to Dell and A-Plus, man. They really were the dudes who were like, nah, we're not going to be rappers. We are rappers. So as soon as we started, you know, we came home one day and just was like, you know, I used to write poetry for school, but they came home and, you know, was like, we're about to write these raps. we about to do this. And I've sort of been along for the ride and been very fortunate that I had motivated homies, you know, who are also talented. And I'm saying really grew up in these sort of, you know, A-plus is first-generation American. His family is Jamaican, you know. Uh, Casual, his family's from uh, Mississippi. Like, everybody's family came out to Cali to to, um, to get a better life. So we all been on some strive, 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 you know. Like, I mean, Casual's. Little sister sold me my first house. I done built two cupcake shops for her. His mom is selling one of my houses right now. She's like the number one producer for Better Homes in this area, you know. So oh wow! This ain't you know like it's not something where we all we we grew up on some striving for perfection stuff. So when A plus and, and, and especially A plus, but also Dell because he's the older homie, you know, we're like we gonna do this, man. We just we just stuck with it, and you know, we don't have turntables. You know, graffiti could get you in jail. Breakdancing is cool, but you know, I'm kind of clumsy. So, rap music is really the move. You know, and and it, it just something we kept cultivating. You know, and 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 I'm, I you know had no idea that this would be the outlet that would get me up out of whatever situations I'm in and pay for my undergrad, And pay for my kids' college, and you know, like you know, create intergenerational wealth. It's just something that we were all into. That was cheap. It was portable. We could take it wherever we wanted to and we could do it whenever we wanted to. And, th- I mean, that's what hip-hop was at that time. It was a subculture, you know? It was something where, really, if you were in the hip-hop kind of, it was almost weird. Like, you didn't want to be an R&B dude, you, you know? You didn't want to have a jerry curl and be hella smooth and stuff. You wanted to rap and wear tangos and, you know, like, stand in b-boy stances. That wasn't really what got you chicks or nothing when we were little, you know? That was kind of <laughs> like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it was like kind of being in the Dungeons & Dragons or some shit. <laughs> and um, people don't get it because now hip hop is so much a part of the mainstream culture that they don't realize. Like just in one generation, it was a complete subculture, you know, to where people were like, "What's that? Oh, he ain't even singing. What's what's he doing?" You know. Now and now it's like the singers rap. You know, Rihanna got bars. You know, so <laughs> it's it's been a whole. It's it's hard to imagine coming up after the the, the birth and growth of hip hop. Because right now it's part of American culture, you know? Um, the same way when rock and roll first came out and it was a black expression and they denigrated it and said, Oh, this is dirty music. This is devil music. This is evil, et cetera. And you know, one generation later, you a black person making rock music and all of a sudden it's called black rock. Like you're a weirdo, or so, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it starts off as this dirty, this dirty hoochie coochie shake, you know, backwater shack stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, become I can sell Budweiser with it, you know, and and I can I can play stuff when I get on stage at my inauguration. As far as rock and roll, it's the same thing with hip hop, you know. First, it was like, oh, that that ghetto trash music, they curse, all they're doing is talking. They're talking about you know struggles and stuff. Who wants to hear about that? Now it's like, you know, I'm being full of rap, you know, like rap, rap is rap is a a, a part of uh, our thing, so. It, it became all consuming with us, you know, and, and, and when it did, it, it freed us from uh, a lot of, I think the um, pitfalls that existed in our neighborhood. Cause we was like, Oh, we're weirdo rap dudes, you know, but we, I mean, we had homies who hustled, et cetera. And they was kind of like, man, do that, dude. I'm, I'm proud of you. I want y'all to see y'all do that. Or, you know, y'all are smart. Look what you're doing with them words. Keep, keep, keep it up. It, it wasn't a time where the older guys would um, discourage you as a kid or, bully you or none of that they was all like with it you know they even if they had decided they was gonna hustle or whatever they was like well man i, I want to support the kids and however you know they might get a boom box and bring it out so we could play music loud or they would give us tapes like empty cassettes so we could bring you know find the music because we had time to listen to it and, and bring it to them and um it. i mean until three strikes came out i think it really the older guys sort of pushed us to do something positive with our lives you know i mean for the it was youngsters where they saw, look, your mama's a dope fiend. You ain't eating. You you got scabies, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? No, come down here and hustle with us because you doomed you, regardless, you know. And mm-hmm. then with the other, other cats was like, hey, bud, you got to be the lawyer, dude. You can't be out here with us, man. Getting to the streetlights lights going to come on. It's about to get real out here. Get in the house, you know. And, I mean, I, I, I got to give respect to old school hustlers who really was like, this is a lifestyle. We don't do dope. We sell it. We, we, we you know, we don't corrupt little kids. We don't kill women, none of that kind of stuff. We just out here getting our money because they, they also help to push us away from the dope game instead of trying to get us involved in it.
2: I always say that just because somebody's older don't mean they OGs. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there has to be a level of honor, at least to me, for somebody I, I to see. really be calling themselves OGs, and I think it sounds to me like you had some real trill-ass OGs that steered yeah, you right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, we definitely did, man, and, and, I mean, I see these dudes around now. They still doing their thing, and I don't mean just hustling. I mean, they own bars and, you know, car services and, you know, all the things, barbershops, you know, all, all the stuff that OGs get into when they realize they, you know, made a bad turn or when they got out of the pen and they got their last and they're trying to do it right. So no, we we had, we had real OGs, man, and we had, we had rules and all that kind of stuff, you know, and we we didn't have that gang. It wasn't no gang thing. It was all just hustling crews, you know. So it wasn't like there was this necessary violence that goes with it. In fact, all the OGs was against violence because it messed up their money, you know. And so it's it's um it, it is there is a difference between somebody just being old an old head versus being an OG, and uh, you know, because the G is for gangster, you know. And a gangster is not a um, it's not a thug. Like when I grew up, that this is the issue I used to have with, with when Pac was alive, is that. And I'm glad that he kind of did it because it's the same thing they did with the word nigga, is that he elevated thug to something to mean something a little bit more than what it was. But when I was little, you if you called an actual thug a thug, he would want to fight you. Like I ain't no thug, I'm a hustler. I ain't just no dummy out here. I'm doing my, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: So the, the, a lot of these dudes were actual gangsters. Like, look, we're organized, we militant we doing this thing, we know it's wrong, but we also trying to give back. We trying to make sure everybody eating and, every, and 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 ain't nobody serving no pregnant people. You know what I'm saying? No, like the the hood ain't a war zone, but that shit when it comes down to these dollars, man, the whole world is a war zone cuz of that shit. You know, like look at the petrol dollar and how many people we going to drone tonight over over dollars. You know? So it's it's kind of like these it's weird cuz I think people think of human beings as these not complex thinkers, especially human beings in the hood and especially black human beings. And it's like, nah, a lot of these dudes look at global politics, still look at geopolitics and say, look, this is where I am. I'm in the anus of earth right now. I got to figure out a way either to get shit out or I got to go back up through the mouth and get out of here. But I can't stay down here and I got to do something. And these are the tools at hand that I have. Now with the advent of the internet and, 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 uh, more information and access happening, and us being able to import and export, and you know, with the world being a global society where you can buy and sell everywhere, a lot of guys are ha- able to make better decisions than just a dope game, but when Biggie was saying, you know, you had to have a wicked jump shot, or you rap, or cook your rocks, or, you, or you, 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 you could rap, like, them used to really be the options, like, you know, like, and you didn't see other, other options. I was fortunate enough, my parents went to Stanford, so a lot of their classmates were radiologists, neurologists, you know, like all these things, dentists, lawyers, et cetera. So early on I was exposed to, I would say, professional African-American. So I also had that aspect in my life, you know, where I, I mean, and even my homie's parents, I mean, A plus dad was a computer programmer. Like I said, Kaz mom sold houses. Like, so we had other options to ascend. But when we looked around at a lot of the, you know, the, the homies around us who weren't as fortunate, it literally is like all they pump to you, and all you really see is sell dope, uh, be really good at sports, you know, run really fast, jump really high, or or be able to belt out a tune. So the OGs, I think, I they were dealing with what they had in front of them, and they made their decisions. But I think a lot of them, and this would make some gangsters, and 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 in a positive light is that they looked at us and said, hey, this ain't for you, dog. You need to be doing something else with your life. Had I had the options, I would do this. And they re- we got a lot of guidance from them. And I think that might be missing right now, but also the youngsters don't want to listen right now either because they know everything because they, they can look it up on, on YouTube or they can look it up on Google. You know, so they, so they feel they know everything and they, they're sort of missing out on the things that
3: experience taught them.
2: Yeah, I feel like even with the the wealth of information, There's nothing like true mentorship because you can't look up experience. And I think that having great OGs and great mentors that can really give you a different perspective other than just what's on black and white that you can read and look up for yourself that you can't feel, I think that definitely makes the difference.
0: Experience is not even, it doesn't even, it's not at a premium no more. You know, you could buy your jeans distressed already. You know (laughs) what I'm saying though? You know know what I'm saying? You could buy your jeans and t-shirts looking like you done lived in them. Before, you used to buy some crispy denims and have to do the damn thing for a long time to get them worn in how you want. You know, you could buy your leather coat with a weather feel. So even in our exterior expressions, experience is sort of fake right now. And, uh, I mean, it's going to happen because life is a lived thing. It's not something you observe. It's, you know, you you got to do things. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of fronting going on right now, and there's a lot of disrespect for experience. And I think that also has to do with just how, Life is in general. The younger generation always dis- disregards the old, so the shit really hits home. But I think it's, it's hyper um, – it's being – it's moving at a faster rate because we're in this society that just uh, – all it does is uplift youth. And I don't mean uplifting a positive. I mean it raises up youth as a standard. Everybody wants to be young, beautiful. I mean, we got a store called Forever 21. Ain't nobody in there 21. You know what I'm saying, though? <laughs> Everybody's either 30-something, 40. Or they're 16, 17, but they all want to be forever 21, you know? Like, so yeah. we got this, this youth, youth. Um, I don't even know the word to say it, the sort of youth, uh, the culture that sort of props up this youth and this youthful image so it doesn't even respect, like, the wrinkle, the old, the um, the people who ain't even old. Like, I don't consider myself old. I just rock the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Well, a few thousand people who's probably half my age, but, you know, shit. They they, they were not looking at me like, look at these old guys do their thing, you know. I, so I, so we don't even look at the people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s even. We write them off, kind of, you know. And it's, it's weird. I mean, you know, we got Kanye talking about we the millennials. Like, Kanye is two years younger than me. He's Generation X. So we even got people in our own generation who are trying to front like they're younger because we have such this sort of youth vibe that we always sort of sucking off. And, 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 and that ain't... That ain't even normal in no other society. It's, but you know, like, of course, young, youthful beauty is to be lauded and all that kind of stuff. But all all societies, you know, always respected the elders and ancestors and and took what they had to say more to heart than what the young had to say because the young don't have experience.
2: And right.
0: What gives you understanding? And you know, until then, you got knowledge or you got an idea, but you're not gonna get the understanding. You know, until until you go through it. So. Yeah, we, we experience is not a premium right now, and people are fronting like they are
3: experienced
0: a lot. You know, we got to be a lot of these fake gurus and all this that are just like, I read a 100 books on it and sat at home, and now I'm going to retweet these quotes, or I'm going to spit out this stuff, change a couple words, and act like I'm this wise and sage, when really you ain't done none of the shit. And half the stuff you're saying is contradictory to the other half you're saying because you're learning it as you go along and pulling from all these different sources, you know? I see that a lot, but... They're gonna get out. They're gonna have to experience too, because you can't live your life in your bubble in your cubicle. You got to get out.
2: I'm really glad you touched on that, because I see a lot of that as well. And I think in the time to come, I think a lot of facades are gonna crumble. I think a lot of old systems are gonna crumble, and I think that fake shit is gonna be exposed for what it is. I really do.
0: I hope so, but I also hope that in the crumbling of the facade something arises from behind it. It's not just destructive, destructive, destructive. I'm not saying to right. not the youth. My daughter to give me insights on shit that she don't even understand fully but I do because I've been through it. I'm just saying that it, it it has to crumble because it's not real. It's a facade. You know and as as an architect, you know, you can you can switch switch the facade and change the whole feel of a building. But if the bones ain't cool, then the building ain't cool, you know? So you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta base it on sort of old school Uh, universal or at least tried and tested principles and those i think are always going to rise to the top but i think the young people are coming into their own they're starting to realize you're not 16 17 20 25 forever and they're starting to seek out the experiences i'm seeing a lot of travel i'm seeing a lot of people uh saying hey i i i have talked shit about this being toxic and this being bad and all that but then i have to reflect and say i do the same thing sometimes you know so i'm seeing and this is real time, you know, from when I probably joined a lot of social media in 2008, 2009 to to now, a decade later, seeing people who were really strong and really firm and really uh, rigid about stuff have to pull back a little bit because they've had experiences. And so hopefully the facade crumbles or maybe I'll say peels away. So, you know, you think a crumble it's like a destructive, but I would say peels away and reveal something fresh and new that integrates, you know, all things. Because that, that's, that's really when progress happens. You know, I could build up whatever kind of facade I want, but if it ain't real, it definitely, nothing real lasts. Nothing real is real. <laughs> you know, things ain't real, ain't real. So they're going to go, definitely, even though we have a lot of uh, vested interest in sustaining bullshit here.
2: That's definitely all factual. But going back to when you were talking about, like, how Hyrule came together and everybody knew each other, if I remember correctly, you got your deal while you were in high school, right? Yep, yep. So 93 to Infinity, I'm assuming, did you graduate with 93 to Infinity was released? Were you already out of school?
0: Yeah, when we got signed, I was 17. So we recorded it in 92, but, the, you know, we called the album 93 to Infinity because it didn't come out for a year later. Uh, but, um, yeah, we got signed in high school. Dale was already signed. He, he, he dropped out and got his GED. And so he signed in, like, 90 or 91. He came out with his first record, I Wish My Brother George Was Here. Then when he did that we put us on a B side of a song called Burnt. I mean a B side of Mr. Dobelina single on a song called Burnt, which is like a down the line song. And from that we got a lot of interest uh in our in our music or in the possibility of our music. And we were signed within a year from then. Casual was also signed. Uh and then, you know, we went through the label label stuff and it 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 was a great experience in hindsight, but but you know, when you when you're on a major label and you got somebody who probably was only 40-something at the time, really, you know, but, you know, some old white man trying to tell you this is what sells and this is what this is and this is this, you know, and you've been making your music on your own your whole life. It's a, it's a rough, it's a rough road. And we had, we bumped heads consistently, you know, constantly because we had some guys who, who probably, you know, have manufactured huge pop hits. I mean, Backstreet Boys are on Jive. Britney Spears was on Jive. Uh, Carol B. England, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? the Ocean has gone dry. So, you know, they had made some hits, but we weren't even in it to make hits. We were in it to make music. And that's, I think, what actually kept us having a career with longevity when I think a lot of the other guys in that era aren't even around anymore. You know, and when I say a lot, I mean shit, 90%, you know? And so it, it, it was a great experience. We learned about the industry. We learned that both to lie directly to your face and steal from you and cheat you and then try to act and then try to parade you out like we all good, you know, and that and I'm glad we learned it early on because that's a helpful experience in life. And, um, you know, I I think uh, I'm just very thankful that we were able to to have that experience because some people don't get that until then their 40s, 50s, even 60s when, when they finally get kicked out, you know, replaced by somebody younger or some computer at their job that they've given their life to, and their boss has been lying to them for years, and, you know, that now they're having some kind of, I guess what they call a midlife crisis or even a late life crisis because they didn't realize that, you know, to a large extent, the, the people who control capital in all sort of capitalist ventures do not have the worker in mind, you know? And as in music, like, the human being, the rapper or whatever, or the musician, they are the product. Like, we are the product. So being treated like a product when you're a human being, it it, it it sort of helps you understand the nature of humanity and how people will, will really try to play you because they think of you as an item rather than a person. And and that's happening right now, too. You know, everybody's I'm a brand. I'm a brand. Like, no, nah, you're a person with a brand, and your brand can be you, you know, like I'm you in all your dimensions, but don't ever turn yourself into a product because products are used, you know. People are, are are interacting with, experience, cherish, love, whatever. But products are used. Like we use, we use products. Period. That's that's what they're for. The product. Right. So don't turn yourself into a product. You can make your product be very reflective of you, and that's great too. You know, when your personal brand is is, you don't got to fake the funk. You can just be yourself. That's great. But but don't ever get it twisted like you're the product. Because that's when you are going to be very upset that people use you and spit you out. Because that's what we do with products. There ain't no product
2: we don't use except products we don't like. That's real. <laughs> now, going to your discussion about the labels, um, I know a lot of people, even myself, I it's just something about the nine-to-five that kind of, it struck a nerve of me when you were talking about people lying to your face and they eventually replacing you. Would you consider a corporation or, or working for a label almost like a regular non, you know, creative that's working a nine to five, almost?
0: Would I consider doing it, you're saying, or would I consider working for a label that? that
2: Well, I feel like they're, they, I feel like they kind of parallel, because it's almost like if you have a person that is a creative and that's what they want to do, and they're doing things for the love of what they do, they now, when it comes to major labels, are being put in a position to where their creativity might be stifled, it might be dictated how they create, or if it doesn't work out, they just again lie and then replace them with somebody else that might appear like they might make more money or they can get for yeah. a cheaper, a cheaper, uh, a cheaper salary. It kind of reminds me of working for a corporation. It it it,
0: you know, it, is, it it literally is working for a corporation. It's just that the weird part about, it, like, you know, if you're an artist, I mean, because they're creatives that work there, the art director, you know, everybody has a creative spirit. But like, as an artist, as a creative. You create product for a corporation to then exploit. But unfortunately, a lot of times you are the product. Like if I didn't go to my show last night, it wouldn't have been no show. Like I am the product. You know what I mean? Like I have to show up and, and breathe it out to everybody. So that's a weird feeling because it's different than, I say, a guy who who, draws, who does ads for Target. He's still a creative. He probably draws at home or she probably draws at home or does whatever kind of creative expression she does at home. But then she knows that what she's making for this corporation is going to be used to sell products and sell, you know, and, and, and advance the corporation. Musicians, we walk in blind, like, ah, oh, I just want to be me and express me, and these people love me, and they're going to put me out as me. And these people just want to—they're trying to make some money. Like, corporations are are exist unless they're non profit to make money. So it, it's just a it's a slight different tweak. It's not like a nine to five because you still like I, you know. I didn't have a nine to five until I was forty, you know. Um, but it 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 so it's a little bit different. But be, because you are the product, but I think when you know, whenever you're a creative person and you don't have creative control, you're going to make some compromises. But sometimes you like making those compromises. You know, you're working with a company or with a with a group that has some good input and ideas to take your ideas to the next level. But you got to just be okay with your vision being altered. By, I guess capitalism. You know, like you have got to be okay with that, and that's how we survive. Like I'm not one of them dudes. Just like, oh, crush capitalism. Da da da. Until we have land and, and and real power, we can't crush capitalism. Until we all have a sort of a consciousness that, yo, being a billionaire is not the goal in life. We can never um, crush crush capitalism. You know, so we we gotta um, we gotta make certain sacrifices, and I think people with nine to fivers do all the time uh and and i mean like right now i'm an architect i have to create things that are going to be okay with the city you know that aren't going to fall over but also that my that my client you know i'm really banking my client's vision come to life so there's some compromise there but i don't feel like my company is stifling my my creations. it's more just like hey i get to do what i want But my creativity, of course, gets tempered by the fact that I have a client that I need to please and I have certain laws and regulations I need to follow in order to make this thing stand for the next 100, 200 years, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad you mentioned being an architect because I wanted to ask you about that because you basically have been an artist um, for so long and then eventually a business owner when you guys went went indie, which I want to go into a little later, but you were able to get your high school diploma, you were able to get your undergrad degree, and then your master's all while touring and doing albums. Did you ever feel like in any circumstance you had to maybe choose between education or your music career? No, nah,
0: because it was, uh, it was part of my – it was a necessity. Like, I had to do it. Like, my mom was like, look, all right, you know, like, first of all, this rap money that's coming in, it's going to tuition. You know, I wasn't raised to be a rapper. I was raised to be a scholar, and you know, community, a part of my community. You know, so it was something where it, it was a necessity. And I, you know, I that. that's the same with my my daughter now. You know, I, I um, you know, she just got a three point oh. I'm proud of her. You know, but I was like, man, you ain't about to drop out of school and just make music. You know, and and she can't tell me well, it's hard to do both because I didn't did both at an elite level. You know, as far right. as being on a major label. And being at, at the best university on earth at the time, you know, it was number one. So you can't tell me, and still graduating with honors, et cetera. So it was never, the, things don't get presented to me or in my family as, as you think you could or try. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. It'd be like, this is what you got to do. You know, it's just like the mob. <laughs> you know, like, I need this, I need this to occur. How are you going to make it happen? And explain to me how you're going to make it happen. It's never like, do you think you could? It, it ain't never like that. Like, I, my mom and yeah, my dad, I mean, it's just, you know, I grew up thinking I might have to be president just to make sure that they sound know, black, you know? Yeah. You know, and I and I grew up in a world where a black president wasn't even possible. It was literally like, yo, I might have to be the first black dude to be president because they they on my helmet, you know? But it's it's like the mob, man. This is what you got to do. So figure it out. You know, and fortunately, when I was in school, the fax machine was out, and I was able to do my work and fax it in, and I had people, uh, you know, a support system at school who were helping me and rooting for me, you know, and and really made it possible for me to do what was, what was, what was, what was, what was, what am I trying to say, expected of me, you know, without any big issues. Like, I I didn't feel like I didn't get as much of the college experience as I could have, because whenever I was there, I was there. So I was probably going to class more than everybody else, especially since I was paying for it out of my pocket. So, I, didn't, you know, I had, like, a scholarship first year, but the rest of the time it was all rap money that I was paying for it. So I wasn't about to play around and not be in class, you know. I might be high in class, but <laughs> I was going go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was. there's never been a part where I've had to choose. Even right now, like, look, my, my I work for a firm of – five brothers, you know, like it's it's five guys there. So they know when I got to go out of town, I, I got to go. But when I'm back, I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent. It ain't, it ain't something where they're like, they got to question my loyalty to to the job. Cause they know, I mean, and it's laptops and you know, internet and stuff. Now Like I we did a European tour this summer and I probably finished, I finished three Victorians and a restaurant from the hotel. So that's another thing. My mom was like, she's never, she's been a professor. She's had job jobs, but really, she's always worked for herself. And she's like, your time and your mental energy should be put towards your enterprise. Everything's an internship, and that doesn't mean don't be loyal to who you're working for. It just means to make sure that 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 is feeding and, and and building you and your thing. So always put. I always try to put myself in a position where I can do whatever is needed. Like when I was in grad school, okay, I only toured during the summer because I had to go to school every day during the school year, but that was helpful because I got to spend a lot of time with my, teen- you know, my then teenagers. And, and now after going through that, I've figured out an even better balance of sort of like, Hey, if I'm here for three weeks and then gone for a week, you know, things don't fall apart. My kids don't feel like I'm an absentee father or like I'm trying to enforce a law from somewhere else. And they also know that they're supported. They know if it's a problem at school, I'm going to show up. So that for good or for bad, you know? So yeah. it, 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 um, you have to control your time that's damn near the only thing you got here right is your time and your energy in fact when they want to punish you in the society what they take from you your time and your and your and your where you put your body so those are the things that are like the most important that's freedom right yeah so you got to control that in order to really be able to actualize all these dreams that you have and i think we don't get that for some reason i don't know what it is like we feel like uh we, we, we need to be on somebody else's timetable or somebody else's hourly rate. I don't, I, we just have a weird way of socializing ourselves to where we feel like, and it's necessary when you're young because you need structure, but the structure is supposed to teach you how to break the structure or recreate the structure so that it works for you. You know, there's no, there's no scientific proof that you get more than one life, so you might as well spend your life doing what, you know, what you want to do. And, and and that's why it's, I, it's never been somewhere I had to choose between. Ever been very fortunate in that, in that respect.
2: That's a really good ass answer because now that I think about your example. The entire time you've been doing some kind of you've always had something going on. So, man, I always had a job or something too, though. Like, I, I'm the rapper, I've had a job my whole time
0: rapping, you know, or a business, you know. I mean, even in school, I used to sell candy and all that. like, you know,
3: it's the hustle, you know what I'm
0: saying, though. Like, it, it, it you always got to because it makes space for you for you to do what you, what what you want to do. You know, like as, as I move forward in my life literally I want to draw buildings, I want to be able to give them away for free, you know, do community centers and housing and all these things, give it away for free. I Want to be able to hang with my kids and play soccer and you know, cook and do all those things. So everything that I'm doing presently is me poisoning myself to uh be able to do that. And so that's why I've gotten into then the sort of the vacation and leisure industry and um you know design field in the way that i'm doing it because in the end i want to be able to give away my de- designs for free have some more babies hang out with the babies you know and and really kick it kick it tough like don't you know like I'll, all that hey dad's at work and that's, that's bullshit you know what i'm saying though like that shit is bullshit all like you're gonna spend all your time even if it's you working for yourself you're gonna spend all your time enriching yourself while your kids and your family and your lady and all them are Missing you or wondering where you at or worried about you or not, not in your presence. That's not balling. That's not, you know what I'm saying though? That's not being a boss or being a King. You know what I'm saying though? Like I don't want to be the King that's always out on the damn uh, campaign trying to conquer some shit. You know, I want to be in the, in the palace chilling, man, eating some grapes and, you know, (laughs) kicking it with my, you know, doing sword, sword drills with my kid, you know, like I don't want to be that, 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 the warrior King that's always on the road. And I come back and, my home is in disarray and I don't even recognize my own sons and my own daughters and none of that. That's, that's like some fake um, – it's not fake because it's really ha- how it happened. but we've advanced past that. So now that you can have a virtual office anywhere and you can work from anywhere, man, figure it out, figure it out so you can do what you need to do to, to, to live the most enriching life. And And for me personally, what I feel most enriched by is interaction with the next generation in my family and the people I love. I You know, I'd rather have less money and be around the people I love than be balling, always on the road and all that kind of stuff. Because, like, time is the only thing you've got, time and space. So if I'm spending my time and space away from my family, idiot. That's my personal value, you know? Some people are like, shit, well, I got to get it. Ain't nobody else going to get it. It's got to be done. And I, I'm not knocking that. I'm saying at my point where I'm at in my life, I need my time and space to be occupied by Enriching my family with my presence.
2: That's, I mean, honestly, I wholeheartedly agree. I would hate to marry somebody grown ass son and this man is gone all the time. Boosty, right? I it, mean, yeah, yes, that's, that's, yeah, how, that's
0: how infidelity and all that kind of stuff happens. Or even that's just how I love you, but I don't even know you,
2: you know? Like, yes.
0: That's, that's crazy, you know? I, I you know, that, that to me is just, it's a bad model. And I think it's, it's, it's been built into patriarchy, it's been built into this whole, the lion hunts, and then the 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 lioness. Or, well, actually, the lioness hunts. Really, so that's a bad bad metaphor or analogy. But you know, where I go out and I hunt, and I go out in the world, and the lady takes care of the hearth and the home, and I come back after a long day of all. That. Man, that shit is myth- mythical. It ain't it ain't real no more. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I I really would like to be a house husband if possible, and and do my work from home, go out and do my little shows every now and then, but really just be at the house chilling. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I I don't think there's anything not masculine or not manly or anything about that. Like I like cooking, I like cleaning. You know? I don't mind doing hair. It's not it's not it doesn't bother me. So that's kind of where I want to where I want to be. Me personally. Nothing wrong with, you know, in your 20s. you know, I spent my whole 20s and a large portion of my 30s on the road like away from my daughter and it's awesome because the time we spend together it, it was, it's, you know, she cherished it. And also, and when she became a teenager, that's when I went back to school, so I was there every day. But um, I definitely would feel like I could, like my my younger daughters, they are definitely benefiting from me being present more than my oldest. You know, my oldest probably wouldn't smoke Newports and drink Hennessy if, if I <laughs> <laughs> if I was around more. You
3: probably, yeah. You no, know,
0: I don't. But I don't know. I mean, she also is from the town
3: and living her
0: life. She want to live her life, so. I ain't knocking it. When I was her age, I drank Christian Brothers and smoked Newport 100s. So, shit, she stepped it up a little bit.
2: <laughs> I feel it. You better with all this house husband shit. You're going to pop up on somebody man across Monday while you playing. Man,
0: I ain't mad, man. What's up? <laughs> but, you know, I'm saying I like to cook. I like to clean. I draw buildings like, look, the dad on the Brady, He works on the house. You know, I had bad example, but Cliff Huxable worked from the house. You feel me?
2: Yeah.
0: Whenever Vanessa or Theo got into something, he was right there. And to me, that's those are the men. Like, I'm sorry that that I'm a pop culture human being. I'm American, but those are the men that that have sort of shaped my my vision of of, of dadhood. You know, I mean, aside from my real family and all that, I'm saying when I grew up, I'm partially probably a architect because. I grew up looking at Brothers Who were Architects. It seemed like a, a business you can get into where, where racism is, is not as prevalent. I mean, it's just as prevalent, but, hey, your drawing is your drawing. If your drawing is the best, they're they messing with it, you know? Yeah. And then, um, but, I mean, you know, the dad and the Brady's worked from the house. And and Cliff worked from the house, man. You know, I'm trying to do that. And they, and they still was getting it. They still could see the, the huge brood of children and all that, you know? And that's kind of where I'm, I'm – I'm pointing towards, you know, as a, a dude with, you know, four daughters and one of the sons and, you know, into the point where I'm not just be out all the time and get set, you know, and then travel the whole world. I haven't seen it. I, I, not much more I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, experiencing, you know, as far as far on the travel tip. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to get on that level. And I don't, I, I don't think there's anything unmanlier, or you know what I mean? Like some dudes are like me in the house. I, I didn't think it's something unmanly about the woman being the breadwinner. As long as you handling your business as a man, as far as instilling the proper values in your kids, as far as being present, as far as getting them kids to they 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 lessons and they they team sports, and and you know and 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 uh, man, learn to cook and clean. I don't you know um. If we gonna talk about gender gender is fluid, gender roles got to be fluid too. And and I that's we're really in a weird time right now because as men we still expected to do all the man stuff but then we got to we got to pull back on the gender gender roles you know i mean on on the gender in general like if we got to pull back on 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 the concept of gender we need to pull back on the concept of gender roles too i mean some ladies are going to have to take care of a brother or build a brother I'm, i mean we've got been doing it for centuries in our community so i'm i'm not or a century in our community so i'm not trying to say hey ladies settle and and mess with a brother who you know doesn't have a doesn't have any skills or, or doesn't you know, is not doesn't have any ambition. I'm just saying that if you are a professional woman and you are a jet setter and a nine to fiver or whatever and you want to have a family, don't sacrifice that by having a kid and then deciding to stay home and, and change your your lifestyle. Find somebody who's willing to, to compromise and work with you. I, mean, I think there's a lot of brothers out there who do. Like I know a couple of brothers who do hair and you know what I'm saying Like straight brothers, you know, like I'm saying who can braid their kids' hair and, and a cook and go pick up some flowers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's it's, it's not – these are just activities. They're not things that are hardwired into our our um, DNA, like they try to act like. It's kind, of, it's kind of pseudoscience to say, oh, women are the only nurturers and men are kind of the hunters. You know, like, that. yeah, testosterone makes niggas aggressive. And, and the fact that babies come out of a woman's body, I think you'd never be able to match that bond to a child. But once the child is in the world and starting to become socialized, it's whatever, you know? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, the gender, if gender's gonna be fluid, gender roles gotta be fluid too.
2: You might need to slide me some of your homeboys numbers that'd be out here braiding hair and be bringing flowers and shit. I might need to, we might need to talk after the interview. This is terrible. You know?
3: The reason they learn is because they got
0: 20 daughters, <laughs> 10 women. But, you know, I ain't trying to knock, they, you know, macdates, you know they, hook up some they hook up some braids, hook up some braids, all kind of stuff. You know, get the knockers matching and everything. You know, you know oh, I'm, not, I'm I'm one afro puff, two afro puffs. You know, wear it down, boo. Just wear, just wear your fro, wear your crown. I got three three styles. One afro puff, two afro puffs. You are gonna wear your crown? And, oh yeah, you can put a headband on that. Yeah, put a headband on that. You know, but <laughs> they'll be clean. The hair, you know, I'll wash the hair and make sure it's you know manageable.
2: That's a set. <laughs> But going back to um, when y'all got off the label, how I, from what I've understood, from what I've been told in the past, I think Oak um, told me the story. I think y'all pulled y'all's money together and started High Roll that way. Is that right?
0: Yep. So we basically made made some tapes from Disc Makers, really, which was an old school like tape duplication company that people do their demos and stuff with, and we started going on tour and selling them. And really, the tours we were going on, we were really there's a huge underground rap circuit right now. And I think we were some of the first guys to even do rap at a lot of these venues. So it was a time where there was a change into the guard where before it was all rock and roll, punk rock blues and all that kind of stuff, but they were letting the younger guys sort of promote stuff. And because we have sort of this clean, clean image and our fan base is kind of like grateful dead fan, you know, more hippie and more, um, multicultural and more, you know, just peaceful than I say a lot of other stuff. Um, they started taking a chance on rap. And now it's a, it's a huge circuit, you know, and the guys who were throwing the shows for us back then own the venues now. So it it uh, we went out, we toured probably all the 96, 97, 98. We dropped the record in 98 and, and, and we've been touring ever since. I mean, we, we go on at least one tour a year, even during the time when I was in grad school or now that I have a nine to five, we still tour. And that's still an important part of how we get our message out to the masses. It's not the same. I think when you have, TV, video, all these things sort of supporting you. We don't have, we haven't had none of that support. So, you know, our last video probably on TV was maybe you never knew in ninety eight, ninety nine. So, you know, it we we've, we've had to get out and sort of bust our behinds. But then also the internet has caught up to us. You know, we had our first website in nineteen ninety four, maybe or nineteen ninety five. Wow. So we were one of the first first groups, period, with a website. We had websites before any of these. Um, any of these uh what are they called uh
3: businesses i mean you know we probably
0: had a website before ibm and a lot of these other companies and um that i mean the internet's kind of caught up to us so now we can do stuff on youtube and soundcloud and bandcamp and, and then also be on apple music and spotify and all these other companies but we don't have to uh necessarily get the tv and and mainstream media support and still and still be just as visible as all these other other uh groups but that's that's recent, you know. Now, you know, no I even got cable. You know, what I'm saying, No know people got internet, but they don't, so they watch everything on their phone. So now it's almost like a an equalizer. But we're still fighting for people's attention. So once we went indie, we just never looked back. I mean, you know, instead of getting a dollar twenty nine a record, we're getting seven dollars a record. So you know, we only have to sell one sixth the amount. You know what I mean? Or one one fifth the amount of records uh, that we had to in order to make the same amount of money or more. So we've been doing well with that. And we purchased real estate and reinvested in ourselves so that we're, 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 we're thriving. I mean, we've even, we've had a cryptocurrency since about 2014, 2015. Um, we never really released it because we didn't know how to, and we're still sort of figuring out mulling over how, how to do that. But I mean, we've always been sort of on the cutting edge of technology and looking to see what the next thing is. Our merchandise is strong. We got one of the most powerful, uh, logos the most, you know, well-known logos in music, you know, it's up there with Black Flag or Rolling Stone or Grateful Dead or Wu-Tang. Yes. So, you know, now now it's at the point where it's a brand where kids wear it like a Metallica tee and maybe not, haven't even heard of the music. But, you know, hopefully because our our fan base is a community, they'll see somebody and, 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 you know, Hyrule will be the topic and all of a sudden we got new fans based on them liking the logo. So we've been very fortunate at, to take advantage and capitalize of things at the times they were popping and that and that made a it's uh, made it made a huge difference in in how we were able to move and are able to move right now. Um I I wouldn't say it would be easy to duplicate because you know, we didn't know the internet was going to be huge. We didn't know that these venues were then going to start doing booking hip hop every single day because it would be, you know, the biggest thing. You know, we just were trying to get busy and and get around and uh we've been very fortunate and very blessed. I I you know, like I'm not trying to act like there's no secret. There's no secret to it. It's hard work, but I'm saying opportunity had to meet uh ability and 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 and, and, and want and you know these things had to all coincide for it to really happen. And it I mean it really happened for us. We've been very, very very uh fortunate.
2: So it's basically time and then preparation, essentially.
0: Yeah, there we go. When, when t- timing and preparation, but the preparation started, you know, like I said, I've been rapping since 83. We didn't come out with our first record till 93. We didn't go indie until 97. You know, I I I didn't, you know, I probably didn't buy my first house till 2002. You know what I'm saying, though? and And, you know, now we're buying hotels and stuff like that. It's 2017. You see what I'm saying? Those are big, huge swaths of time in between that there was a lot of preparation going on, and people only see the results all the time. And I think right now we're in a culture where people just show the result instead of the struggle, but it has been a struggle. I mean, there are times when, you know, I had to share a happy meal with my, my oldest daughter, you know what I'm saying? No, but those times, you look back on them now and it's like, ah, I was hella broke, damn. You know, but at that time, that's just you know, when your ribs touching. you know, you start having real wild thoughts. I ain't talking about, um, you know, Rihanna Tiller thoughts. I'm talking about uh, Scarface thoughts, you know? And I'm just been fortunate that uh, I, I had – Enough faith in myself and my craft, and enough supportive people around me, including our fans, that we didn't have to make a lot of bad decisions that, put, that could possibly cost us our future. Now,
2: I'm really glad. I mean, because it sounds to me like the name of your game, on top of the whole preparation and the timing piece, has been patient.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you, you got to go get it. You got to go get it. You can't. You can't just. Uh, you can't wait. You know, like that ain't. That's not the move cuz like I, it's time and energy, right? right. So if you're if you're expending no energy just sitting around waiting and you're and you're wasting and you're eating up your time sitting around waiting, you're going to rock, you know, something may come but why, like that's that's when you start getting into fairy tales and you know what I mean? though. Know, like oh, if I just wish and I just want it bad enough, like that's part that's the beginning. And then the and then you have to make make things happen like, you know, I mean when that when that uh had the Happy Meal incident, you know. the Next thing I did was sign up to be a substitute teacher. Then when I started teaching, I bought a truck. Then I started hauling, hauling uh, garbage and hauling stuff with my truck. This all while rapping and touring, you know, because we weren't making a bunch of money doing that. Then I, then I, after that, you know, I had some money. I, I, we we invested in the studio. Now we're recording records for free instead of recording paying somebody to record the records. Then once the records are done, we put them out. They sell. We take the money. Then I started buying a house every year, you know. And then those houses started turning into. Multi units, and then the multi units now turn into hotels. I mean, it's a monopoly, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm. I i am i am i do not want to be like the uh, textbook sort of capitalism primer on how you bubble here, but you also got to deal with what's in front of you, man. Like, I'm all for smashing capitalism, and I'm all for fighting global domination of of, of our people worldwide. But we got to get some power first, and and uh, that means you know getting you know. My thing is farms, arms, and arms like food, clothing, and shelter, and something to protect it. So we gotta get all those things together. And that's like what my sole sort of uh investment strategy has been like, hey, if it's not producing me food or money, you know, uh I'm not even messing with it. You know, like that's why I'm an architect. My ex wife was a farmer. You know, like we I'm I'm not I'm not into you know, I make clothes to sell, to take money and then buy more land. You know, and then hopefully either bank the land and hold the land or use the land to produce uh microgreens, fruit. Or put a hotel or something on it or, or, or housing or uh, a school of thought or, you know, something like that so that there's going to be some prosperity that then echoes throughout the generation. Because, you know, I'm trying to get the multi-generational wealth. I got everything I need. I want to make sure my, my grandkids and great-grandkids have everything they need so they can spend their time and energy doing what they want to do, not not trying to survive.
2: Just out of curiosity, when y'all bought that building after y'all went indie, how did y'all do that?
0: We just put that, well. I had purchased a couple of buildings before that, and then we I signed for you know I put down collateral, and we had built our credit up, and then we put our money from the record. We all sat and we were like, man, we could put this in our pocket and probably you know burp it and fart it out in in in, in six to eight months, or we could have something to last. And now I mean, our building probably worth one point five million. It's got the the it's got housing inside of it. It's got a internet cafe. It's got a store. It's got a um, studios you know like and it's got boardrooms and all that kind of stuff so it just uh we pooled our resources and i think that's something and I, you know i don't want to make it just cultural but i'm as we as black folks and i mean black americans because africans do it islanders do it it's literally black americans for some reason we don't pool our resources we be on some crabs in a barrel stuff and i don't get it you know everybody else is like well we got to get this together we don't even got to like each other but let's get this building and you stay on that side of the building and i'll stay on this side of the building but well, for some reason we act like that's not possible right now. Like, oh I can't get a house. Like, yeah, nobody can get a house. But ten of y'all can. And you might have to have bunk beds right now, but shit. You know, like have bunk beds for a couple of years. And in a couple of years y'all stack enough to get another house. Then you at least you got single beds. Then you stack and get another house. Now everybody got their own room, you know? Like yeah.
3: uh
0: I don't Chinese do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Though Jews do it all the time. Uh, a lot of recent immigrants do it all the time. The So it's not it's not a color thing because we got African brothers and sisters with the same melanin content, et cetera, doing it all the time. For some reason, African Americans. and I know the reason. The reason is we're taught to hate ourselves every single day, from every angle, from TV, from education. You know, from the socialization process, we're taught that everything that we do is inferior. So we don't even want to be paired up with other inferior. But I, I mean, I'm not. I've never subscribed to that mentality. And as a result, I've had, like, we run a black-owned business. You know what I'm saying? we got a couple Latin dudes, but, I mean, for for the most part, African-American-owned business, homies who grew up together, who have philosophical differences and personal differences and everything, but we put those things aside to make something greater. So with the building, we put our money together and said, hey, even though we're owed these royalties, we're going to take our royalties and we're going to buy a building. And then we just kept rolling from there.
2: That's really dope. Would you, I mean, because I'm I'm hearing a lot of, by the block, buy the block. And I think that that example can be replicated virtually anywhere. You find four to ten or whatever have you, good people, you know, everybody put their money up and they buy a property and do it again, do it again, and then everyone's creating wealth for not only themselves but their own bloodline.
0: And and that's what everybody has done in the history of time, really. You know, like it's never been like this one guy does this. Like Hannibal didn't conquer You know what I'm saying? Though he didn't come up out of Carthage by himself on one elephant. You feel what I'm saying? Though like it it Mm -hmm. was—it's group action. We're social human beings. Like we're speaking a language that we all speak. You know, like we—we don't. Nothing is done if somebody tried to walk up to you and speak their own language. You know what I'm saying? Though and with butt neck, et cetera. Like we're not. Individuality is is a myth. You know, we—we have individual personality. That's right. But as far as like I did this all by myself, man, that's a myth. You know, like. the roads have been paved by other people. You know, people have given you money to support whatever. So the concept that we that you can just do it all on your own is some is, is, is toxic. It's not helpful. And so really it's about pulling your resources. I mean, they have this thing now. It's like co-housing. Like, nigga, that's roommates. What the fuck? It's roommates. What do you mean? <laughs> like, we roommates. Like, we're co-housing. We have this co-housing or we got this cooperative. Like, what you mean? Roommates? Yeah, everybody else been doing that. They, you know, they're just not a hipster calling it something and trying to make it into something that is not on the internet to market it. Like, but you know, like I live on a block. I'm telling you, my two neighbors across the street got 11 cars between two houses. That means it's a that leave every day. That means it's 11 adults in those two houses. Let alone how many children they all have, right? Mm-hmm. But they own the houses, and they and 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 when one group moves out, another group moves in, and they they keep they keep it pushing. They, may, you know, they're mainly Latino, but it's not just just Mexican. Like I got Nicaraguans, I got uh, Salvadorians. You know what I'm saying? No, oh, who's the other guy? He's from uh, Ecuador. You know, and Mexicans all living in this this house, so they they're using their language base and their cultural identity based on this language to 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 build with each other. Now we got all these things. I mean, actual links. You know what I'm saying? No a- 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 ties. they are for ties, and we just don't even work with each other. Like. How is it that black people aren't importing things from Africa? That's insane. You know what I'm saying? They're like, how can we not? And I, When I'm saying this, I'm not that guy to knock our own people. Like, I understand we don't do this in a vacuum. Anytime we try to do something, people could consciously try to tear it down. And when I say people, I mean the U.S. government, I mean racist white folks, et cetera. and even some agents from within our own community who hate to see other people do well or our own people do well. But my thing is, now that we have all these goods, if I want to import something, all I got to do is look it up and get get the paperwork and do it. We should have grocery stores. We should have, you know, we should have we should have our own. Like I'm trying to build a 30 unit right now in East Oakland with a grocery store in the bottom, and I'm, I'm gonna try to at Styles P and try to put the Juices for Life in it. Oh, that's gonna be fire! I hope so, and then have the kids from across the street at the, at the high school run the business. So it's like, okay, we got a business incubator, we got a healthy food initiative, we got housing, and it's all not like in some suburb. It's in deep East Oakland. I'm trying to do this on uh, across the street from a spot where I damn near got robbed when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Though, like it was, it's, I'm not trying to run from it. I'm trying to do it, do it on my own, and I, you know, like I, I not do it on my own, but do it for my own, and in in in, my, in our own spaces. And I and I'm one dude. You know, this me, my brother, and one contractor trying to do this. But I want to duplicate that and show how it's done and, and keep it moving. You know, my kids go to Afrocentric school on 90th and Holly. Anybody from Oakland on 90th and Holly, you don't want to be there when the sun goes down. But the school is an oasis. They all It's a STEM-based school. All these kids are like a grade or two ahead of what they should be. They all, you know, they wear—they got beautiful uniforms made by a brother from the Congo. They taught Afro-Haitian dance. They taught jazz. These are, these are things that are really, really happening, and, and it, it requires – A community to participate and I'm down like I did everything I wanted to do I'm as famous as I need to be I'm as wealthy as I need to be it's time now to start doing this multi-generational stuff not just for the people who share my blood not even just for the people who came over with me on the slave ship you know what I'm saying though for everybody but if we don't control it and own it we gonna consistently be pawned and consistently be at the mercy of folks who really hate us like at, at, at worst they hate us and want us dead at best we're curious and interesting, and we deserve to be around, but they don't want us to have no power. You know what I mean like there's very few you meet that that really want us to have power. They want you to be able to serve them, they want you to be able to entertain them or 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 help them with their enterprises, but they don't want to see you have your own enterprises and this is a and this is um been evidenced by the fact that whenever we create our own enterprises, they literally physically come and destroy and dismantle that shit and kill us. And cut our genitals off, and mutilate us, and burn us, and and teach our kids lies, and try to fail our kids, and try to incarcerate our kids. Like we 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 been, we sleep right now. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Don't sleep on these fools. They're not just. And I don't mean man. You know I'm not. I don't believe race is real. You know it's all culture. You know you look at Africa. It's, it's you know they they can't get it together because they don't even fuck with each other. You know because it's I'm a I'm 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 Yoruba. I'm Igbo. I'm Zulu, I'm, you know what I'm saying, though? They they got their own gangbang thing going on. All I'm saying is us as, as African-Americans and as the people, we got to become self-determined or we always going to be at the mercy of someone who does not have our best interests in mind and, even worse, wants to destroy us and wipe us from Earth or just use us for entertainment and as drudge-working mules, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: You so know yeah, buy gonna... the
0: buy the block and build the block. That that's why I went to architecture school. So I don't just gotta buy what's already there. We can we can buy empty lots and put stuff on there. But yeah, buy the block and build the block. And and, and when we get it and own it, we might wanna just give it away. We don't that don't mean we gotta necessarily be cold, cold hard capitalists and, and, and charge crazy rent. But but, you know, also the way that we're socialized here, if I just give it to you, ain't even gonna take care of it. So we gotta figure out some medium or some way to 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 have some pride in the things that we have and and the things that we do, you know?
2: Yeah. Now, one thing I always was curious about with y'all, and you, I kind of have a feeling for you, because I know know you, but when y'all had that building and people were kind of doing their own thing, but you guys were still a unit, y'all stayed in Oakland. Like, what I'm saying is when I went to Oakland, I went to Oakland in March, as you remember, Yep. Siri had our show and we uh-huh. all went there. You hadn't arrived yet. And I saw all these different it was a bunch of kids, but it was some a lot of people, you know, a little bit older. Um but when you walked in, the energy of that entire warehouse changed. Like it was it was almost like you know when people be like, Dad but you know, it's like a like a community dad almost. Like people started buzzing like, Oh my god, he's here, OG is here. And it's, like, yeah. you're looked up to as, like, like dad almost, like a community dad. Like, even when, I think about years ago.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Also, you know, my, my daughter would be kicking it at my house, so a lot of them kids have come and crashed to my house. And, and I am really a, a dad, you know, and I'm a dad. Like, a lot of them guys don't got dads and stuff, you know what I'm saying, though? So I I I fully embrace that, that feel, you know, that that view. However, I'm I'm also a nigga, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I ain't even front. Like, I'm a black man, too, but I'm a nigga, you know what I'm saying, though? So I think that that, that also is relatable to a lot of the 20-somethings and the kids that are, like, my, my daughter's age who maybe saw me a certain way when I was coming up but have also seen me roll big, fat-ass blunts. And you know what I'm saying, though?
3: And, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm
0: saying, though? And, and act a fool on stage and chill. Like, I I you know, I do some niggery things, man. I'm, I'm not trying to front like I'm some kind of sanctified dude, I'm just, I'm just, I'm present and relatable and accessible. And maybe that's why they have that feeling, you know? It's, it's not just because I, I represent the best that the, the society can offer and Negro ascendancy and, you know what I mean, all that shit. It's, it's also because I'm like, oh, this nigga's a nigga. I mean, he's doing all that other shit, but the nigga's a nigga too. Okay, cool, you know? And and I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm, I don't really... Like, hopefully that term will die, but I'll, you know, it's going to have to be next generation. <laughs> we, we still figure sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I know, like, I can't, I can't, I'm not using it in a negative and a pejorative way or anything like that. I'm using it as, like, I, you know, I sometimes I will roll the backwood. I can't front, you know? Like, some, you know, some, yeah. you know, I don't drink none of that kind of stuff, but, you know, when, 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 you know, uh, this dance comes on, or, or Freaky Tales comes on. I'm for sure finna hit the floor. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be on some fake sanctimonious stuff. I'm 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 all about community and 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 positivity. But I'm not so so far gone that I'm trying to blot out our our rich history and multi-layered history. I I, I understand nuance, you know. And I think that makes you more human to the kids, so so they they gravitate towards me as like pops, like like cool dad, you know.
2: You right. The first time I seen it, it was years ago on Twitter. I think like Kaylani was like dad, and I was like, I thought Project Only had... It had. I was like, okay, well maybe he's like cool. And then when I actually saw it, I was like, damn, like he really is like the OG out here. Like, damn.
0: I never thought that because I'm all, I'm the youngest dude in my clique, so I always think of myself as like the kid, you know? Yeah. But but it, you know that's that's chronological is not always, you know, equal to sociological, I guess, you know. So, I'm and as I'm getting older now, it's like, dude, you ain't no kid no more. You know, I go hoop with the youngsters, and I'll be like, ooh, my knees. It's a full out here. I'm just trying, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, age gracefully and, and, and stay involved in the community, but I just don't want to be one of them dudes. So I'm like, hey, young brother, you need to do this and do that. Like, I'd rather be like, look what we did help me right quick you just swing a hammer right you you know you know Might need some housing right like i don't you know like let me hit that right quick you know what what y'all smoking on you know i mean i I, i'm not trying to be i want to be an example but i want to be of the people and i I don't want to be something where uh i become so rigid in my thinking that i that i don't relate to the young people because they own some other shit you know like we didn't grow up Fucking with pills and none of you know what I'm saying though, or yeah. syrup up or none of that. Like we call those, we literally call those white boy drugs. Like, oh, you off the white boy drugs? You know what I'm saying though. But, but so they're dealing with a lot of stuff. They they processing a lot of emotion. A lot of their parents are dope fiends. There's a lot of um, there's been a lot of poor modeling and poor parenting going on. And so, I gotta meet them where they at and then show them the possibilities. But I'm not trying to tell them the way because that's that's their choice. You know, as far as uh. What you want to do in life? All I can say is, hey, look, I love designing. I love making music. I lo- I love uh, you know developing the community. I love making sure that we love us and and, and that we're doing our thing. We're not spending our time trying to impress people who hate us. And and hopefully they'll they'll take a piece of that and expand on it. You know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to um, run into the end zone. The end zone, we'll never get to the end zone. I'm just trying to advance the culture and and, and advance my people. And, and, and gang yardage, you know, so that so we can get on parity with uh, a lot, a lot of what's going on in the world. I mean, if you look at the third world; all the resources are in the third world. Europe don't got no resources. You know what I'm saying? Though they ain't got no oil, they don't, they don't got no chocolate, they don't got no gold. You know what I'm saying? Though that all the resources are in Africa, the third world, the the the, the places that are the poorest on earth. So I want to get on parity to where at least we're we're exploiting those resources ourselves, and we're doing it in a responsible way, and we not we not continuously helping out and being the being the dupes for these fools. Who I mean, the more I'm seeing, especially in the Trump era, when Trump, man, the Trump era ain't no different than the Reagan era, ain't no different than the McCarthy era, and, you know, any of that time, these times, you know. But the more I'm seeing how much pushback people are having towards us coming together as human beings and us getting on an equal footing as human beings, the more I'm like, oh, man, we just got to do our thing. Because if we keep doing their thing, we're going to die. Because they think it's anti-us. And it's really based on, like, their identity is anti-us. It's not just that their um, enterprise is anti-us. Their enterprise is anti-human. You know what I'm saying, though? It's just like, look, we're going to use humans up, and we're going to create capital, and we're going to make a few rich oligarchs richer and richer and richer. But I'm saying their their social stuff and all that is, is literally, and their identity is, is, like, in opposition to us as far as black folks. You see what I'm saying? Like, even yeah. the concept of white. It's like, hold on. These people were Danish, French, Armenian. You know, these people were all these different things and at war with each other for centuries and centuries before they started exploiting us. And then they, they galvanized under this concept of white or Caucasian or whatever you want to call it in order to demean and destroy all the brown folks on the Earth. And we got to, like, we got to fight back, man. We we sitting here taking it and just trying to get on. And I, I'm like, oh, that I can't even be part of that at all. That's bootsy. Like, I don't want to be that in that sort of bootsy. uh just like that. Like, I, we, we got to take it to the next level, man, and really, really look out for each other. And I think that what people don't get is anytime we look out for each other, we're looking out for human rights. We're looking out for environmental rights. You know what I'm saying? We're looking out for everybody. But unfortunately, as far as with African-Americans, everybody gets the, the, the gains that we, that we create, and we end up not getting any of it. And that's what's frustrating to me. So we got to start looking out for ourselves. And in, in, in doing that, of course, we'll look out for the world, but we got to start treating ourselves better and, and, and enriching ourselves. And I don't just mean financially. I mean, culturally, socially, uh, with love, et cetera. And I think that's that's something that, that's what I mean. That's what's become important to me in my older years. It's not just getting my paper or making sure I've done this and have these accomplishments. It's making sure that. Three or four generations now, we are in a better position than we are right now. And every single generation of African-Americans or diaspora people since our interface with the Europeans has gone up, 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 up. And just now at Generation X that we've hit the flat point and started to go down. So that means for the first time in history, in, in modern history, you know what I'm saying, though, we, we're, we're now not doing better than our forefathers. We're not, we're not having more education than the people before us. We're not having more resources, et cetera and the people before us. So we've got to make sure that while we're alive and healthy and here, that doesn't happen. And all it is is a mental shift and a shift in what we do with our dollar and we do with our time and we do with our energy. And for some reason, we still want to spend all our time and energy trying to impress some people who hate us, fear us and hate us. I I will never understand that. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand the fear and the hatred. And then on top of that, I don't understand why we're sitting around trying to prove we're good and we're nice and we're worthy. To folks who not messing with us, they done told us, man, no, we don't talk with y'all at all. You know what I'm saying though, and 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 they show it every single day in all their actions, in all their ways, and all their statements. They little snide remarks, you know. The dude, even on the news recently, talking about Puffy looked like he was off of forty and a blunt. Like, man, this man did more with his lifespan in his short time at the same age as you, newscaster, than you have. And the most you can say is he looks like he's off of forty and a blunt. Like, and
2: that dude was black. That's what made it hurt yeah. even more. I was like, damn. Well,
0: well, well. That's what I said. It's, it's people in our community who are damn near worse than the people outside. It's people who are physically brown, but that don't mean shit. You know, like we got to that point where we got whole ass clones who who who, who want to impress and, and get and, and kiki with with with. I don't just want to say white folks; it's mainstream folks and and denigrate and knock down people in our community. So they can so they can ascend or they so they can be seen as safe, and I'm tired of that. I mean, Barack was kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? No, anytime he wanted to address us, he was you know, I mean, he was speaking uh, truth as far as uh, we need to do better in this, that, and the third. But it's like in certain forums, you you do that in, and every time that you address us, you can't just hit specifically. You can't just be like, and y'all got to do better with this, that, and the third, and blah, blah, blah. Like it's hella it's hella people doing better with this, that, and the third, and then people put you in office or help put you in office. So so stop trying to scold us like you somebody daddy when really you a pawn for these fucking crackers just like everybody else. You know what I'm saying, though? You done bombed the shit out of brown people the whole time you was in office. You didn't do nothing specifically for us at all, maybe pardon a few people who, who shouldn't have been in jail for the amount of time they were in anyway. But for the most part, you were a pawn for white supremacy yourself. So it, it, we got group, we got human beings who physically look like us, who mentally are them or want to be them so bad that they would throw us all under the bus in order to ascend so we got to be wary of all that you know what i'm saying though and that and that's the thing that I, i'm i'm really trying to do is just like not be, not turning to that and i'm glad it, 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 i think because i am grounded by the young people around me and i'm not scared of them and i'm not looking at them like oh you big dummies i might you know i talk you know but i i think that that helped me understand that my legacy is going to have to be part of changing this trajectory or, or putting some more gas in our little spacecraft so we can keep on going in this upward trajectory that we've had since, since we got here on these shores, you know what I'm saying though? And, and I, I want to be someone who the ancestor when I become an ancestor, I want to be remembered as somebody who fought for us. And I'm not even specifically for us as humans, but, it's, but, but then in, in particular, for us as, as, as diaspora people
3: who, who have
0: been so creative, like we, everything we have is in spite of right now. It's not because of. It's in spite of the w- the way that we've been treated. So I want to make it so that we 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 build on the on this legacy that we have. It it, it just seems like right now we're in despair and everybody's in their feelings and all that. And I'm like, it ain't no time for all that right now. It's time for healing and it's time for addressing our feelings. But we can't sit around and sulk. We gotta push to the next level. And 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 these folks are playing their cards. They're showing us they hate us. They can't stand us. They're scared of us. They don't want nothing to do with us. All they want to do is use our labor, and 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 make jokes about us and disrespect us and step on us to get where they are. Why do we keep playing into that? I'm, I'm my I got one motto, which is I'm not black, mad at white folks for doing their thing. I'm mad at black folks for doing their thing. You feel what I'm saying though? Like why are we? Yeah. Why are we trying to? Why are we trying to emulate and do what they're doing when everything they do is emulation and a copy of what we did? You know, like let's and I'm not eh I I you know, I'm, they got names like hotels and you know, all this kind of stuff. Like look, I'm I'm for for all humanity and I'm pro all humanity. However, I am in the group that is being stepped upon for the rest of humanity to move forward. And it's not that we're just being stepped upon. We still are the attack dogs and the front liners for all people's rights. But then when the rights are then distributed, they never make it back to us who we're fighting for. So I'm like, man, we'll stop even tripping off that. Let's just get our thing together. You don't never see the Chinese in America out here protesting and marching and doing all that kind of stuff. They just get in their paper and, and push it. You know what I'm saying, though? You rarely see Jews out here protesting and marching and all that kind of stuff unless it's something that, that's specifically anti Semitic. They just get in their paper and move it. You know what I'm saying? They're pushing it forward. We got to stop trying to be accepted and just do what we got to do and, and, and build our base. Because if we don't, we're going to lose. we already losing. So if we don't, we're going to really lose. And and, and I, I'm tired of watching. I don't like being on the losing team and not making no effort, you know. And a lot mm-hmm. of us are just sitting on the bench watching the game. And then a lot of us on top of that are sitting on the bench cracking jokes about the team. We got to get them out of here, you know. We got to get them out of here. And that means that the, the toxic dudes who are, who, are, who are raping members of the team and, and beating and, and hurting members of the team, that means, you know what I'm saying though, the, 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 the folks who, who, we don't have no time right now to have any sort of disunity. And unity doesn't mean we all have to be the same. But we our goal needs to be self-determination, happiness, health, and wealth for everybody in our community. And then hopefully it'll trickle down to everybody else's because that's how they do us. And I'm not trying to be reactionary. I'm trying to be proactive.
2: It sounds to me like the community is really important. Is that a reason why you stayed in Oakland versus... Moving because you know, most people that come from the hood or come from a place they grew up in, once they get some money, they just take off and they never return.
0: I think it's hard here, man, because once you get some money, niggas gonna knock your head off out here. You feel what I'm saying, though? That's part of it, you know. So it's hard to, uh, like I'm telling you, COINTEL did a, a big number on our, um, on our, um, on the community, you know. what I'm saying, though, we got agents here, we got, we got, um, distrust. We got, you know, Fools of survey on how crack, you know what I'm saying though, Heron everywhere. So there's a lot our community is in shambles out here, you know, and to the point where even the gentrification is partly happening not because fools is coming in and taking stuff, it's because fools are like, I'm tired of living in Oakland, I'm getting out of here, I'm gonna move to the suburbs. You know? And then um they they've given up their beautiful Victorian homes that've been in their family a generation, a couple of generations in order to have these little Make make mansions out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near any jobs. Now their kids are latchkey kids because they 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 commuting so far. Their kids is going to school in a community that doesn't even want them there, that, that that doesn't serve them. The teachers think of them as inferior. They don't care about they you know. So there's a lot of bad stuff going on, and it's hard to stay here and and try to be positive because there's a lot of negative stuff going on from within the community. But I just like I can't. And this is where I'm from. I don't, you know, like, I'm, I mean, even with the Panama thing, like, I, I'm eventually probably going to move there, but I'm never probably going to be a Panamanian. You know what I mean? I'm a, a, a brother from Oakland. So this is where my heart is. This is where I want to, you know, I want to see my people striving and doing well. You know.
2: Speaking of Panama, how did that even come about to where you could buy a hotel in Panama?
0: Well, the thing is, you know, the U.S. and Panama have, I don't know, some weird, they're on the U.S. dollar, for instance. So you can open up a business out there. You can you can buy land and property, et cetera. As long as you pay your taxes and everything, it's it's the same as opening up an LLC or something like that here. Which I mean, which is great for for me because our money goes further out there. And then it's also great because the scenery, the people, and everything. So you know, we travel the whole world. Usually when we travel, we get treated like foreigners. You know, if I'm in Europe, I'm a tall black dude. They think I'm an American basketball player, and I'm like, no, I'm the other stereotype. I'm I'm an American rapper. You know what I mean? So if I yeah. go, you know, if I go to even uh uh just a lot of other countries, even Brazil, it just seemed like like you got robbed by the cops twice out there cuz they just know that we're not from there, you know? What? Yeah, Panama it just seemed like it, it, they were very welcoming. They looked at us uh you know, when I came down there they spoke Spanish to me immediately. They uh um they um they uh they um they they look you know what I'm saying though like I'm a brother where if I'm in France I'm a Moroccan you know what I mean yeah think, oh I'm 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 some kind of immigrant taking their taking their jobs if I'm in uh you know the Middle East either they look at it, I'm like I'm Middle Eastern or they're like oh you're a Black American you're different you know what I'm saying though if I'm in Brazil it's like you're an American you got money et cetera et cetera so so this place is the first place I went where it's like oh brother you know and it wasn't it wasn't like they were trying to extend some special brotherhood to I me. Mean, they literally were like, you got, you must be kind of alien. What, what you doing out here? You know.
2: So yeah.
0: I felt like I could blend in, et cetera, because I mean, for me, being famous and also just being an African American and living in a, you know, in a stateless world, really, going somewhere that feels like home and that you're treated like home is is important. And so, I feel I get that sense there. Now, not saying that it's perfect there, as with anywhere, the darker you are, the worse you, it is. But it's a little just. I'm I'm tired of this American homegrown racism, you know, like really literally these races here are the worst on earth. I'm talking about they're worse than the Boers in South Africa, you know what I'm saying? Though they're worse than the dudes in Zimbabwe. These 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 are some hateful, spiteful, fearful, terrible ass humans. You know, and and they have guns and they have fear that, that makes and they and they're in their law enforcement, they vote as a block, et cetera. So I just wanted to get away from these folks, so I've always been looking. I looked at New Zealand, all these places. I mean the reason I did architecture is because anywhere you go, well, architect is one of the jobs where they'll let you get citizenship because they know you bring something to the table. So, you know, these are things that I sort of calculated. But Panama seemed like a great fit and I'm having a great time there. I you mean, know, I got a chef from Italy, a young guy from Italy down there, looking up stuff. we got about to build a studio at Cairo out there and you know, just start really hopefully getting into doing this sort of retreat, reflective, eco, um, Sort of unplugged type vacation spaces rather than party, party, party spaces. Like, okay, you want to go to party? Go to Ibiza, go to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Or go to Cancun or something. Like so, if you want to come out and and get with your purpose and do some yoga and you know reflect and all that, come 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 out to this Garden or any of the other places we have planned.
2: That makes me so happy. Like seriously, it's like you've done a lot. Like, I mean, think about this: early 40s community presence. You're still rocking with the same dudes you've been with for 30 plus years. You're able to get two degrees, multiple career switches, and it just seems so fluid. Like, have you ever had a a time where it was like you were uncertain or it was like, damn, this is scary shit. I don't know. I don't know if this is the move. Did you ever feel like that?
0: Ooh. And
2: i done had AKs pointed in my
0: face. I'd been, you know, had guns pointed in my face by police officers. I've been shot at, you know. I've been mean, in a knife fight. You know what I'm saying though? Like this shit ain't shit. You know what I'm saying though? Like this is all cream on top of that. Like, like I said, you know, we grew. I grew up in hell, you know. And I'm and I'm a nerd with 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 uh with at least you know I know both my parents and and my mom is professional. You know what I'm saying though? Like, so I didn't even I didn't even grow up in the rap, the rough rough, but it was rough enough to where. All this other stuff is icing on the cake, you know. Like, I, you know, how town niggas think, man, you drop us anywhere, we gonna come back with some money. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah.
3: What's
0: going on, like any any dude from the town thinks like that, because the town is really like the cherry Home, like it ain't cool out here, you know. And so, my only fear is that I'm wasting time. That's my only fear. Like, you know, I'm not spending time with my loved ones. I'm not. I'm, I'm not cultivating nothing. I'm just, you know, spinning my wheels for ego's sake. And I don't think that's happened with all the moves i made. It's just like, um, this is logical progression. You know, like I went, I went to school, I did music. I, I, we invested in the company. I started investing in real estate. I went back to school and paid, paid for school cash the second time around. And, and, um, for both times, really the second time around, I, you know, pay for it straight off shows and stuff. And then, um, put that so I started I invested in myself and then the abilities that I got to, to my school stuff makes it so that I now I can take any plot of land and create something that, that generates revenue or generates happiness or generates uh, growth to somebody and um, the farming I mean my ex-wife was a farmer you know but I I messed with her a little bit but she really she went to school for agriculture so she really got me into that so now I'm about to put greenhouses at the hotels and stuff so that all of our salads are, are you know, for microgreens there, we can supplement that. Cause depending on, you know, all the fish is fresh, everything, you know, the lobster man comes every, every two days. You can go pull huge snappers and, and sea bass and halibut and all kinds of stuff out of, the, out of the water, clams, coconut, you know, like, so I am just trying to get self-sufficiency, you know, and so that my, 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 my environmental imprint isn't that great on the world. And also like when up, you know, like I'm not doom and gloom, but if things go bad, it's big enough that my whole family can move down there and we can live and thrive and, you know, not 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 necessarily have to be on grid or part of this system. I mean, but that's fanciful. If it if it goes bad, it's gonna go bad everywhere. It ain't gonna be no pockets of, of safety, you know. Yeah. Like that's kinda fanciful. However, it is possible that you know I get a 19 room. We got a 19 room hotel. You know, Hyro, our families, our extended family can all come down there and live safely. If, if things do go bad.
2: So how can people, because I know a lot of us are not being taught that um, being self-sufficient is is really the way for survival because we haven't been pushed in that direction. You know how I go. Like in high school for me, it was like either you were on a college preparatory track or you were on a technical track. So now there's a lot of people that have been pushed. Not saying that, you know, you can figure things out on your own. But if that's all you know is to work for somebody else or to do something or go to school, you may not be as inclined to say, yo, I should probably pick up a trade for myself. So I'm saying that with respect to being self-sufficient. You're too busy depending on, you know, a store or something else. You may not know how to grow food or you may not know how to shoot arms. Or you may not know how to make clothes. So for those that are like, damn, I probably need to get on the ball, how would you? what would you tell them? How can they start?
0: Man, Instructables, YouTube,
2: library,
0: get a mentor, and and do what do what you love. I I love building things and designing things. You know, I don't necessarily love the farming part, but I work with people who do love getting down in the dirt. You know, to me, I'd be like, man, we did this for a long time for free. I'm not really, you know, I ain't going. I got about three more ditches I'm going to dig, then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go have me a drink. You know what I'm saying? I don't have me yeah. But you gotta you gotta link with the people who are into that, you know like my my manager down there loves to cook, loves hospitality, so I got a great person in charge of what's going down there i got a a young lady who works down there does all our social media stuff, but I don't really know how to market like that, and she's doing a great job, so really just see where you fit in and do what you love and but but the end goal should be self sufficiency you know i mean and that' ain't, that isn't that's that's my end goal. You know, because I've seen that there are no guarantees with this society. I've seen things fall apart, and I don't mean like zombie apocalypse fall apart, just like jobs ain't, ain't as stable as they used to be, you know? Uh, mortgages, I've seen people lose houses. I've been lost in houses, you know, to where I see things fall apart, to where I'm like, hey, let me have somewhere that's paid off, that can feed me and my family. And then we can learn from the internet and learn build our library collection and all that kind of stuff and travel from that base but that that it took me you know a long time to get to this point, like it didn't happen overnight, you know, but where I am right now, if I sell my portfolio, I could pay my mom's house off, I could pay a few things off, and I could pay the hotel off and be good I'm like okay, I'm just chilling, I'm fishing every day, I'm surfing every day, I got food, I got to tutor for my kids, et cetera but that's my my goal you know i, I, I self-sufficiency may not have to be your goal. It's just that there are no guarantees out here. So you got to at least make sure that you, you know, food, clothing, and shelter thing is, 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 right. But it might be that you link up with somebody who's into that and you just in, in, inject money into it or you inject, say you're, you do a uh, graphic design. Okay. Now you figure out, okay, say I've got this hotel, you design my logo, you design all the little crests that we put into the towels and the, and the, uh, you know, the linens and the, and the, and the, you know, you design our marketing tools, and for that you get equity. But We need to start working towards not having to depend upon others from outside our community to make sure that the things within our community are still working. Because if we don't, it, it, it we always get bamboozled. That, that's the point I really, man, and I I really don't understand the part where we think these people have never had a conscience. And I don't mean these people like white people. I hope people ain't saying that. Even if I use the term cracker, that's a special type of white person. That's a white person who wants to whoop us and the the, the cracker comes from whip cracker, right? And that comes from the guy who was like, Oh, he's a real cracker, like he he's he's on my helmet all the time. I'm trying to make sure that I'm 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 busting this shit around and picking this cop. So I don't I hope that I'm you know, when I let terms slip I'm not talking about no particular color of people or nothing like that. I'm talking about those people who are just unspookulous capitalists who hate who hate melanated people et cetera. And a lot of those people is black, you know? So it's, that's what I mean. I just, we can't keep on acting as if a group of people who have never had our best interest in mind is going to grow a conscience. They're not, they're not, they haven't in a thousand years. They're not going to do it. In fact, the more familiar they get, the more they think they can replace us, you know? So let's stop acting like it's all gravy. Let's start acting like things may go bad. And, you know, in, in, in the, uh, in times of prosperity, you got to prepare for the times of family. And so, hopefully, with this extra dough, we're getting from whatever vocation you get. Ain't no wrong with college track, ain't nothing wrong with um, a career or anything. But you're supposed to take your career money and instead of spending it as if this thing is going to last forever or as if you're going to just enjoy your life when you retire, spend that right now so that you can have choices to where you put your time and energy. And I'm seeing it a lot. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people who are like regular corporate people. They got Etsy, Etsy stuff that they're selling. I'm seeing people pool their resources. I mean, you look at the guy, the uh, the, the bus, Dream, or whatever the guy's name is, Dream. Um
2: Dream.
0: Yeah, I mean, people are taking their dreams and their ideas and putting them into to action. But that, that That's your life vocation. It's not working for somebody. But if you love the job that you have and you love working for that person, that, that person, that corporation, good. But just always make sure that, the next day you get fired, you're not one. You're not one unemployment check away from homelessness. You know, like I feel like if everything goes bad, I could always just dip and take my kids. You know what I'm saying? Though I'm, I'm you know, deal with somebody who who can educate your kids, be educated enough so you can put your kids up to a college level, just in case there ain't no schools where you move. You know, like right.
3: uh,
0: that. That that's that's where I'm at with it right now. You know, and um, that's where we gotta be out. You know. As, as human beings, not just as a, a people, but especially as a people where this system has never worked for us, ever, ever. It ain't even designed with us enough. Ooh, I, we are deluded. Stop acting as if we're not. They look at us as old farm equipment, sentient farm equipment. Stop acting as if they look at us as human beings. You know what I'm saying? No, they don't care. They barely taking care of their own people. They call their own people trash. So you think they care about you? they looking at this thing was not designed for. for African Americans or for natives or for women to even be part of the workforce. You know? That's some that's awesome new shit. So we gotta we gotta keep that in mind and move accordingly. And I don't understand how we've been lulled to sleep to think that this thing is gonna work for us. It ain't never worked for us. It was not designed with us in mind. It's like I'm sick too, you know, like I I'm not gonna be able to hop on a tricycle and do the dam- and get where I gotta get. Because it wasn't designed. It was designed for babies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: So why am
0: I fit my body, big ass human body, on a tricycle and pedal? He- I'm just gonna pedal hell hard. I'll get there. God damn it! If I just pedal hard enough, that shit ain't even for you. It's for children. It's for you know. What? Why are you Why are you trying to get to where you like build a bike? You know, or build something better than a bike. And and, and, and I may be jumping around, but I'm saying you don't have to reinvent the wheel to do any of these things. All the philosophies of, of time and memorium are available to you from a click of a button or from a, a trip to the library. All the little uh ways that you can build instructor tutorials and instructions on how to build things and create things, whether it's a solar panel or whatever, it's all available to you. You don't have to just sit and meditate and think of something brand new. You can take all that information and do it do it for self and duplicate things and make it so you have your own ecosystem. And that and I, you know, like, I'm not like, uh, we got to just create a whole new this, that, and the third. We might not be there yet. But we got to create something that sustains and affirms us. And this is not in any way, shape, or form. You know, we can name the black millionaires the black billionaires. I mean, on a, on, a, on one hand, you know, in America. You know, so, like, obviously, if we're talking about a hand, maybe two handfuls worth of people, and we're millions of people, this shit not working how we want it to work. So we got we to gotta retool and we got to use all this knowledge and information we have in front of us to make it happen. Like, I live, my brain, I live in Wakanda. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, as far as, um, to use this Marvel imagery, like, we got, we've been the most advanced. We've been, had, had spiritual techniques and the, and the integration of, of the metaphysical and the physical and all these types of things that made us able to do great things that have been emulated throughout time. Why aren't we still dwelling in that headspace? I, and I've always loved, like, in my house, I've always loved that headspace. Like, when I was a kid, man, I had to come home and do science experiments. I had to come home and dissect shit. I had to come home and, you know, like, my daughter, my six-year-old, is talking about how she's going to build a satellite that can communicate with everybody on Earth. You know, and she's she's building it out of, like, CDs and, and, like, straws and washers and stuff. But she's doing it, you know? Like, it, 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 it that that's where I need the headspace to be, you know?
2: You know what? I'm glad you brought up your youngest because I want to ask you about Akira's book club.
0: Yeah, but that was my—that's my mom's concept, and she she said, "Hey, through mastery of language, we learn everything. You can't even do math. People say math doesn't have any like, yo, you can't read a math problem unless you know how to speak and you know the terms and word problems and all that kind of stuff. So she thinks that through a strong linguistic uh, acuity or through strong ability through knowing words, understanding how words work. All that, that, all other things are possible. That's the foundation. So she created Akira's book club and did her first 12 books to where you monthly read a book. And then you basically have the older kids read to the younger kids or the adults read to, the, you know, sort of a chain of information where the books might be a little bit more advanced than the people who are their target, but everybody learns from them. And eventually the kids are used to saying, you know, uh, Akira's animal alphabet alliterations. They know what alliteration is, they know what, you know, uh, all these words these more complex vocabulary words than maybe their age range should know. But it's a brain, the brain of these little kids is son, so we got to teach them, we got to feed them nutrition. We can't just feed them candy all the time, mental candy or whatever. So she's created basically a platform where we're trying to get in schools, in households, et cetera, people to read a book a month to, to the younger kids, teaching teach maybe your teenagers to read to the younger kids or maybe, you know, and through that uh hopefully inspire more stories, create more stuff for, for our people and, and people all. I mean, she's going to probably translate them to Spanish and Tagalog and all these different things. But, you know, as African-American woman, as an educator and as a mother, she thought that it was necessary for her to um, create something that, that, that reinforces language skills in our community so that since that's the foundation, we can build all other education from that.
2: That is such a dope concept. It's bigger than just books. It's like basically getting the family or the community at large involved with elevating the youth. That is so dope. Your mama is so dope, Tajay. Like, oh God. Friend, I
0: lucked out on the um on the mom mom uh lottery. Like <laughs> I didn't have a regular mama. I didn't you know, I didn't know that as a kid or I I even probably was angry at that as a kid. But as an adult, I just feel so fortunate to have had that. Because it 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 has such a profound effect on my has such a profound effect on my life, you know, like and and on a many other people's lives too.
2: That is so ill. Now, is there anything else that you want people to know about you or what you have going on? Well,
0: oh, really, okay, let's see. <laughs> I, I got a new album coming out called Rap Noir, which is like the Alfred Hitchcock kind of dark dark noir movie film noir rap album. Uh, so it's more hardcore a little bit more hard-hitting topics, Jazzy beats kind of thing. Um Hiro-Lytics, we got the uh, 20th anniversary of Full Circle, I mean, Third Eye Vision coming out next year, so that means we've been 20 years indie. We're going to have a re-release of the album. we we'll are probably be performing the whole album live on the road, and we're trying to work on a new album right now, record some new, new music. So we have the the re-release of the old album coupled with the new album. We're going to have, Hyro Day has been popping. It's been bigger and better every year, so we're going to have Hyrule Day, which is It's going to be this year, um, 2018, it's actually going to be on 9-3, which is the actual official hiring day. Um, We're working on a a blockchain kind of related coin. I don't know how to explain it because I'm not, you know, that's more a casual thing, but we're going to try to come out with that. We just opened the Hotel Hibiscus Garden down in Panama. Uh, We're going to be building a pool and a um, studio there soon. Uh, But we want that to be a retreat for artists and creators and people who want to unplug and sort of get away from the hustle and bustle, refresh. And either get back or stay down there and look for more other opportunities down there and in the world wide. And hopefully we're going to start doing more of that throughout the world by creating these sort of retreat spaces. Um, Akira's book club is, is uh, something. I've been, my daughter, is, my youngest daughter, is Akira, so it's something where she's uh, she talks to the kids. My mother talks to the kids. And it's basically a literacy uh, strengthening program that we're trying to do. To like you said, strengthen community and families. Then I got a guy named Don Did It Live, my homie who's been kind of railroaded. He's in a pen right now, but he writes uh, urban fiction, so I got three books coming out by him. The one that's out is called A Day in the Life of a Hustler. I got another one called uh, Swapping Places, and the third one is called The Adventures of Sherlock Shitty. So those <laughs> are dropping, you know, so that's that's like urban fiction, but, you know, from a dude who actually has lived the life and, and is currently serving time, but, at, you know, he's getting his bachelor's degree in there. He's not treating it like I mean, he basically was rail- railroaded and kind of framed, so we're, we're working on appealing that. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, I say this right now. Stay out the prison industrial complex because it's, it's costly to try to get out once you're in there, you know. But I'm, I'm trying to build that, and then I'm trying to take a portion of those proceeds and put them towards, um, put them towards uh, literacy, actually, for kids because a lot of the reasons why we have dudes who are this or even go to jail in general is because they're unable to read. And then, um, on top of that, I've got a gallery in San Francisco. It's called the L. And it's a, it's an art gallery, but it's also a, um, uh, on demand office space. So we've got a, 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 coffee shop right next to it, uh, called Chapel Hill. And then it's the L art gallery, which has like some cool little architectural features, but it's something that can be rented hourly for conferencing, for meetings, or, you know, for office space. It's, it's pretty small, but it's cool. It's right in the financial district in San Francisco. It's owned by uh, me and a few other young architects and creatives. And uh, when I say other young, they, they actually are young guys, you know, they're in their 20s I'm an <laughs> old man of the group, but, um, uh, so it's called the E L L, not like, uh, E L L. So check that out. And then on, you know, on top of that, um, I just opened a, uh, uh, development company, um, with my brother and, um, older brother who does uh, contracting so we're going to start trying to do multi-unit developments with uh, retail in the bottom um, locally in Oakland and maybe in the surrounding cities but, but concentrating on East Oakland because uh, a lot of this prosperity that's coming to Oakland is not trickling out to East Oakland but uh, Oakland is a place to be and a lot of people a lot more people are moving in here regularly so we need to provide uh, spaces and business opportunities for, for those people as they come in and for the people with the current residents so yeah, so architecture, design, development, music—that's where I'm at right now.
2: That is one hell of a list to have going on. <laughs> You're doing like five people's whole lives right now. <laughs> I'm
0: trying, I'm trying, man. I, you know, you only live once, and 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 you know, I'm I'm just trying to get it, get it all. you know how I am, man? I, I, you know, like I wasn't. I I try to just fold time on top of each other. You know, like when i you know, like. When I'm traveling, I'm designed. You know, when I'm, when I'm sleeping, I'm dreaming about the next, the next thing that I want to do. When I'm doing that thing, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be unfocused and so schizophrenic that I can't focus on things. I just try to multitask in a responsible way, which means concentrate on what I'm doing at the time. But all my downtime, I try to use to push myself forward. You know, uh, I don't know if I'm a burnout or whatever, but right now I'm loving everything that I'm doing. And I'm I'm really enjoying being able to spend time with my kids, being able to rock the new fans, and being able to sort of create things, build them, and see them manifest in the world, you know, on, on a small scale, but on a scale that's long lasting.
2: That's what it's all about. Is that's the true example of yellow for me. Like it's not even about just doing any other thing. It's about doing smart things that can really last once that one life that you live is is over. So I think that's how of dope.
0: Yeah, man, I I I, I agree. The uh, the yellow thing, um, I think, um, was misinterpreted or used, uh, maybe even purposely misinterpreted, to, to 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 turn into something where it's like, yeah, let me be irresponsible, because fuck it. And it's more like, nah, we we get a certain amount of time on here. Maybe 60. You know, my dad died at 61. I'm trying to make it to 62. You know, I, so my, I might have two more decades on this planet. Maybe I'll have four more decades on this planet. But I got into something where it's low impact. I can design and draw. You really don't hit the stride as an architect, so you're in your 50s and 60s anyway. So something that I, got, I can look forward to getting better at. I've been doing the music thing. Um, I think music is wide open right now. People talking about everything is whack and all that. Nah, you whack. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, like you put me up on so much good music all the time that I'm like, I'm slipping for not even knowing that, you know? So the people, the people running around talking about everything is whack and all, oh, it ain't like it used to be and all that. Nah, you whack. That, that's because you're square, and you get all your information from, you know, one or two websites and the radio. I like guess a lot of good music out here, rap music, soul music, funk, R and B, everything. So, um, you know, I, let's do it all. Yolo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and how can people find you? if They need to get in touch with you.
0: On uh, Instagram, I'm Pro and Company. Uh, on, uh, also on Instagram, I'm rap noir and on Twitter, I'm rap noir, R-A-P-N-O-I-R. Uh, but I'm, I'm in character on that. I'm, I'm playing a dark character. So expect to see some cursing and some, some wild stuff. That's not, you know, rap noir is not necessarily Taze. Taze is more and tail company. I'm also Hibiscus Garden on, uh, Instagram and, uh, Hibiscus Garden Hotel Panama on Facebook. Um, you can always go to the website, com, and we'll be able to update you on everything that's going on. And, um, I don't know that, I mean, that's pretty much everywhere I am, uh, online. I don't really mess with Facebook personally and the, the the Twitter is more for, um, for business than, than for my personal, you know, this, 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 I've got to do one-on-one because I think a lot gets lost in the
2: sort of tech context of social media. Definitely true. What is the hotel's
0: website? Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. See, I you know, that's, it's dot wwwh dot ncom And it's high season right now. It's summer down there while it's winter everywhere else, so you probably should go out there. We got snorkeling, scuba diving, surfing, yoga, stand-up paddling, mosaic making, and just relaxing, horseback riding. We got horses at the hotel. We got great cuisine. Our our, our chef Matteo is from uh, Rome, so he's got like he's using the Panamanian flavors with the with the Italian style cooking. So it's 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 an awesome scene, and it's really great for families. You know, like we got rooms with a queen king size bed and two and two twins, or we got rooms where the kids can have the twins, and you can have some alone time with the boo
3: or whatever. <laughs>
0: it's, it's great for couples. It's great for solo travelers. We got a lot of backpackers that stay out there. In fact, in really high season. We even rent land for like ten bucks a night if you want to pitch your own tent. And we got outdoor bathrooms and outdoor shower and all that. So we're oh, wow. to, prepare, you know, every everybody at all levels from from ten to 20, ten to twenty dollars all the way up to a hundred bucks can come out and get a get a glimpse of Panama because I mean Panama is one of the most beautiful countries I've been to. The people are very giving and loving. Uh, they're not really caught up in this money 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 thing. Once you get outside of the city, it's just about really. Uh, enjoying life, enjoying the countryside. I mean, cats have cars and all that, but they still be riding horses and going seeing the homies and all that. So it's a it's a good vibe out there, and I want to sort of recreate that vibe, if I can, anywhere that that still exists, because we really are getting far with this sort of chemical, technical uh, existence that we're having. We're getting far away from our essence as human beings. And our essence is constantly changing, but I ain't ready to be a cyborg yet, and they got us kind of living like cyborgs. So, you know, sometimes you got to unplug, put your feet in the grass, get back to the essence. Biscuitgarden.com is the place.
2: You know what? I also noticed y'all around the beach, right? The hotel's right on the beach.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got our own beach. You can come pick up shells. You can you can the water's about sixty five, seventy degrees. It's cool.
2: I can't wait to visit. I didn't told you, as soon as that pool and that studio come in, I am in there. I'm yeah, so in yeah, there. that's
0: cool too, man. We want artists to come out and record. You know, I want to have it be like Tough Gong or somewhere get cats to stay in there for a month or two and recording every day, making making records off the vibes that's out there. And Panama really? has a good team, too. I mean, we got these dudes, Los Anakas, that are out here, but they, they they got a lot of dope musicians, too, that aren't really getting shine as much as, say, PR and DR and a lot of these other places are. So their yeah. time has comes, too.
2: That's a dope-ass idea. And when you said that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, a lot of – like, even back in the day, I would read about, like, different um, artists recording in, like, Hawaii or recording at all these other studios outside of the United States on the strength of the vibes there, just making whole-ass masterpieces on the strength yeah. of the energy that was there.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, vibe is, album is a collection of vibes, man, so we always have to, uh, we always have to keep that in mind, and I mean, you know, hip-hop was born out of the gritty vibe of the city, but now that it has is, is, is been allowed to advance as a culture and as a musical style, man, you can make some dope hip-hop or whatever with an island vibe, you know? I mean, hey, I mean, hip-hop comes from dance hall and reggae, you know, which is which is dope, Gritty and highway, and you know? So I, I want to see somebody create a new style of music. That's really what I'm interested in. You know, some reggaeton, soca, you know, calypso, rap, drum and bass, uh, EDM music. You know what I mean? You know, like something that has yeah. everything. Because it's moving. It, it seems like every vibe I go to, all you know, because I travel a lot, it's like the vibe is coming closer and closer to each other. Like you can mix songs together. You can throw on some two things and you can throw on some grime music. And then you can throw on some reggaeton, you know, and then you can throw on some, like, it all sort of mixes up. So I want to see somebody who's come up in all those fields kind of get out here and, and really impress us with something new.
2: Is there anything else you want the people to know?
0: Man, love love each other unconditionally, man. Don't get caught up in this, this sort of racialism and none of that kind of stuff. Like, my love for black people is not predicated on my dislike or distaste for any other group. It is based on purely my love for black people and all black people. So I'm saying trans black people i'm saying lgbtq you know what i'm saying though community i'm saying even the black people who like Omaroso or or, or what's his name uh ben carson you know who i looked up to coming up as a kid you know like even them, we got to show them love and say hey everybody has different responses to this world that we living in which is really a, a, a torture chamber sometimes but we got to love each other unconditionally so that there's a safe space within our community that we all can be who we want to be you see what I'm saying, though? Like, I, I would yeah. hate to have my my pro-blackness make somebody feel that they can't be comfortable being themselves because they might be a homosexual or they might be a trans transgender or, or they might be uh, conservative or anything. I want them to feel like, hey, well, we can shoot the shit. Like, the same way the barbershop is a safe place, even though you might get roasted for having some uh, off-brand opinions, I want, I want our entire community to feel like that. Because right now, we don't got nowhere to go, even our own households it's full of discord and, and, and um and acrimony and, and fighting, you know. We gotta make it so that there's a place that that a mental headspace, you know, that's home and, and, and it's all encompassing. You know, and, and so when I say uh love each other unconditionally, I mean love each other regardless of their politics, regardless of their sexuality, any of that kind of stuff. I don't wanna I don't wanna be like it seems like all of our building gets derailed by this individual this politics and I want it to be like we know, baseline, I love you and I respect you and you're in a safe space no matter what. So even if I disagree with certain things that you say, no matter what, you're physically safe, you're mentally safe, and and I will defend you against outsiders who would try to make you either physically or mentally not safe, you know?
2: It's almost like the family effect. Like, you know, somebody might talk shit about their family, but nobody else can't talk shit about it, their family because that's their yeah. family.
0: But we also, also got to get to a point where like, I'm reading online, like, people hating the holidays and not wanting to go home. Like, I don't, I ain't from a family like that. First of all, the holidays ain't no different for me. We eat dinner together all the time. You feel what I'm saying, though? Like, yeah. my grandma and my uncles, are all, you know, I see them two or three times a week at my mom's house or at their house. So the holidays is just a little bit more food, but it's the same thing. But I've never had felt like, ah, oh, I don't want to go home for the holidays because I know that, you know, they're going to ask me about my boyfriend. I'm, You know, I'm they're going to ask me about my girl. You know, all those things. Yeah. So we got to get it so that, Maybe the roast, the roast that we, the roast that we're doing in our family and stuff, we might have to lay off that a little bit and be like, you know, say, hey, are you okay? Is everything cool? You, you, I see you. I do it. He, I'm here with you. I'm here for you first, and then be like with your big head ass. You feel what I'm saying though? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you can you, you can't start it off because we, it's a familiarity. But sometimes people really be hurting, and this world is really hurtful to us, all of to everybody as a human being. But particularly to us as black human beings, because we've been create, this created concept of black has blackened us to where it's tough out here. So sometimes you want to just go home and, and cry, or go home and lay in your room and and just chill and you know Netflix and sleep or whatever. And we got to make it like that too. It shouldn't be the kids. And I'm am just seeing it a lot where I'm like, you don't want to go home for the holidays because home ain't where it's safe. Damn, I I never I've been fortunate to never have that feeling ever. You know, like when I was in college, I'd come home just to wash my clothes, not to save the money. It would make more sense to go to a laundromat' because it'd be faster, but just to see my family and hang with them you know so we i mean hieroglyphics have done done that with each other, like we got our compound, our kids is all each other's godkids and all that we birthday parties and all that stuff, but you know we gotta extend that to the entire community because we are we all hurting right now this is human human beings in general and us in particular so we we gotta we gotta make sure that. Even though we're familiar and we're family, we check on each other first and foremost before we start ribbing each other. Cause that's that. I ain't gonna say it's toxic, cause I love a good roast. And I, you know, I love comedy. I love the dozens, all that. I love those aspects of our, our you know, laugh to keep from crying thing. But, but but ain't nothing wrong with crying, man. Sometimes we, you might just want to have a good cry and let it out, and then we can joke later, you know. But but make sure that the that that our community is a safe space for everybody, but especially for our own people. You know, and I mean, right now it's not, you know, like, you know, like, it it ain't even a physically safe space. You know, right. it's our, our women ain't safe. Our, you know, brothers ain't safe. You know, so even if we get started there where it's a physically safe space and then move it to where it's a mentally safe space, I'm cool with that. But we got to move in that direction or else we're going to cannibalize ourselves and we're going to stay in this barrel. Keep doing your thing. I think that, you know, when you first spoke about me about the directions you were going, like... Now you can look back and say, I, I've gone in that direction. Correct. You know what I'm saying though? So yeah. keep, keep doing your thing. You are inspiring and keep inspiring young folks and, and, and folks in general to follow their dreams because I, I you know, just I, we both work regular jobs too. Right. But we are yep. still doing what we want to and we love. And they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. We might not be able to travel the way we want to and all that, but we're moving towards that direction. So keep doing your thing. And, you know, don't, don't discount what you're doing. I really appreciate you calling and reaching out, and I'm looking forward to to propagating this and doing, you know, pushing what you're doing with spiritual homegirl because I think it's a it's a necessary thing that's missing in our missing. It's just not brought together the way you bring it together.
2: Thank you, OG. That means a lot coming from your hella accomplished oh.
1: ass.
0: <laughs> I'm so happy. What's up?
1: And that was this week's episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I really do. I was so excited to have Tajay on the show. Y'all don't even understand. Um, but y'all know where to find Tajay. Tajay has like five different accounts, as y'all may have heard earlier. And to find me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com, Instagram, Facebook, Spiritual homegirl, Twitter, spirithomegirl. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. I'm on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, TuneIn app, and Radio Public. I'm virtually everywhere, (laughs) y'all. So with that being said, I'm super excited to um, present to you all Spiritual Homegirl's very first event. It is Yoga 101 um, in collaboration with my girl, Dree from Miniature Yogi. She's really dope, she's authentic, and she's knowledgeable. And I'm really excited to um, have her educate us on what the origins of yoga is about as well as give us a good power hour session of yoga tickets are $20 and it includes again the Q&A with Dree the one-hour session with Dree plant based snacks after the session and then some other gifts from yours truly so if you would like to buy a ticket go ahead at yoga101atl.eventbrite.com again if you want to purchase a ticket you can do so at yoga101atl.eventbrite.com I'm really excited about that. So excited. And we're keeping it very cute and intimate. It's about 20 to 25 tickets available. So tell a friend to tell a friend and get your tickets early. I'm also speaking at Hello Lovely on the 27th. Um, It's going to be starting at 6 o'clock in conjunction with the Wellness Sanctuary. And I'm super excited about that as well. And, uh, man, have y'all ever felt like you don't know what's going to happen but, you know, if you keep moving the way you're moving, something dope will end up happening. That's kind of how I feel. And I hope you guys feel that way, too. Sometimes it feels a little scary. And sometimes it feels uncomfortable. But you just know, you just know, like, your intuition is telling you, if I keep pushing, some really fly shit is going to happen. And I'm really happy doing whatever this is, even if it is unknown and a little bit scary sometimes. And it, it makes me feel alive. And it makes me... um. It makes me feel empowered by empowering other people through my own journey or through helping other people, being of service. Like, this all feels right, y'all. And I'm really happy that y'all are a part of it in any way, shape, or form. I hella appreciate y'all so much. But I don't want to hold y'all for too long. I know this episode ran kind of long. But this has been another episode of The Spiritual Home Girl. My name is Maria. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.